are recording. I'm here with Chef Scott B. Hey, what up? On Instagram, uh, Scott Buchanan. He is a chef, co-owner of Yellow City Street Food, and DJ producer by the name of Giant Feet. Giant Feet's the group I'm in. I'm oh, Giant, okay. and a buddy of mine is Hobbit Feet. Hell and yeah. so whenever we started playing together, we always played shows kind of on the same bill, but then we started doing collabo sets a couple years ago and just merged our names together. That's awesome. So, yeah. He's a goofy bastard, but I love him. That's a, like a great random merge, you know? Yeah. It's cool. It's like, great it worked out. Yeah. It's, 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 <laughs> it's, it's a, we both like are open format. Like a lot of DJs try to like really stick to like a certain style and they don't really deviate from that. Mm-hmm. But whenever we rock parties, we kind of like, we'll go from like hip hop through drum and bass, dubstep to trap and just kind of like mesh everything together. Because yeah, we get fun. We get bored easy. So we want to play a bunch of wide variety of styles. So. Mm-hmm. We both kind of played like that, and so one day we were just like, let's jam together, and we just kind of worked out. So we haven't done anything together since all this has been going on. But Yeah, it's been rough. We've been talking about doing a live broadcast, but we keep fucking being lazy and shit. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> he says he can figure out OBS and rig it up to where we can do it at my house and make it make it nice, because mm-hmm. I don't want to do it if it doesn't sound good, but yeah. we've just been fucking lazy. And he he works for a tech company like that his family owns, so he's always busy as shit, too, mm-hmm. so it's kind of like hard to kind of correlate i guess or coalesce their yeah. personal lives i see what you mean no it was a a good time to be lazy man i think, every, <laughs> I think everyone got lazier <laughs> i mean with work and everything going on it's like i always stay pretty busy but yeah. you know i try to like kind of grind all the time like mm-hmm. between work and the restaurant and then music and then traveling and shit we try to keep a full like a full schedule all the time but you know this the pandemic thing is just kind of like Whenever we're not at work, we're just kind of like, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> and the heat lately is just demotivating Dude, as shit. The heat's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's insane to me. Like, I don't know um, everyone's ideas on like end times, but uh, it's all happening at once. So <laughs> I'm a little paranoid. I don't know. <laughs> right. Uh, I try not to think about that too much. I, I have massive anxiety. And so whenever I start yeah. thinking about shit like that, I start getting fucking irked out. You know, I'm like, yeah. Like, is it, is it this hot as a coincidence or like, you know, is the earth just pissed off at us right now? <laughs> yeah. I saw a thing today on Instagram. It was like, the earth's not dying. It's being murdered. And it's like, you can yeah. kind of, kind of see that a little bit. Uh, I don't, rem- I've always, as an adult, I've hated summer. I think it goes back to the shack when we were over on 10th street. It was so, so hot in there. Okay. And that's the original location. Yeah. Right? Okay. Yellow city started off as a little shack over there next to music box. Um, it was like the Rio Grande grill whenever we took it over and, uh, Summers over there were just, like, brutal. Like, it'd just be, like, stupid hot. It's, like, 150 square feet and have all the cooking equipment. Oh, yeah. It's got to be rough. But I, I think I started hating summer then because, like, Amarillo, it seems like the winters here have gotten milder and milder. It's, like, winter will have, like, if you combined all the bad days of a winter into one, like, two-week block, it's, mm-hmm. like, you may have, like, a week or so of, like, like single-digit temperatures or, like, yeah. snowstorms and shit, but... For, this mo- for the most part, winter seems pretty chill. I wore shorts half of last winter. Yeah, w- w- definitely last year, winter was very chill. And it's like summer seems to be getting hotter and hotter. I don't know <laughs> if I'm just getting older and more pissed off, but I don't remember looking at my phone and seeing a week long of 100-degree weather. Yeah, that's, 100 plus. That's, that's that does seem bonkers abnormal. to me. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, I could be coincidence, but summer just seems brutal lately, and it's mm-hmm. kicking my ass. Yeah, hopefully it kills corona. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not a scientist, but I heard someone say that before, so yeah. <laughs> I'll hope for the best. That's the uh, the Trumpers coming out and saying that. 
Oh man. Um, so I got sidetracked already. I was going to ask you like, um, like how long you've been a chef and kind of like what got you into it and how you went, um, to becoming a, an owner of a, re- a co-owner of a restaurant. Um, it's a good question. Uh, I started, I was going to school for graphic design and mm-hmm. web design, all that shit, but I'd always, I had a graphic design job when I was like 16 or 17 that was like real short lived. It was kind of like just doing dumb shit, like, like doing logos for like Canyon school stuff, like mm-hmm. no anything really visceral or like creative. And uh, it was okay, but the dude I worked for, um, was like, I was taking classes at AC. This is after I graduated, I was taking classes at AC. Uh, it's kind of a roundabout answer to your question, but um, I was working for that dude and then taking classes and he taught one of my classes and he didn't know shit about shit. He's asking me shit in class and I was just kind of real, like, just fell out of love with the graphic design shit and but I was still going to school for it. But in this, my side time, I was always working kitchen jobs. Like, mm-hmm. I started working at Harrigan's, you know, in like 97 as a line cook and then just kind of bounced around and then I moved to Austin in 2000 and lived there for like, seven years or so bouncing around nice. working at a bunch of kitchens most of the time i worked there i worked at a couple of asian restaurants and it was kind of like digging on the vibe of like you know elevated food and whatnot mm-hmm. and when i moved back here in 2007 you know amarillo was still kind of i mean being amarillo it's like amarillo is weird because it feels like it's like on the precipice of being like a really cool city but there's certain little things that want to hold it back, you know? Definitely. And there's a, so many cool people here. There's so many creatives. There's so many, like, there's a, like great musicians, great artists. There's a handful of talented cooks, too. Um, but, like, I was, when I got back, I was just, like, missing the vibe from, like, Austin. And so mm-hmm. I met my wife, Rin, in 2010, and we were both kind of, like, I was still working at different jobs and shit. And then the last place I worked at was Sava over there on... I-40, it's, the building's gone now. It was, now it's like McAllister's, but it was like a shitty Italian restaurant. I started working there towards the end of its life, and uh, they really screwed me over, like, because they were closing, and they didn't tell anybody, but they fired me out of the blue one day, and I came home, and I was just real pissed off and sucking my wife, and I was like, I'm tired of working for people that just fuck me over and take my ideas mm-hmm. and don't give me credit. And she's like, well, let's do our own thing. And so then we started, like, well, we said we're going to make food and sell it at the bars, like, you know, the taco guys, like Jeff or like oh, the nice. Diana's people. And we like, I guess, stepped on some people's toes because we started doing that and we're selling out every time we went. But mm-hmm. then one night we were at, the, I think, the Spotted Pony and somebody was like, why are y'all doing this? This is, you know, we always buy burritos from Jeff. And I'm like, we're just doing something different, you know, like trying to bring, you know, like local fresh ingredients that mm-hmm. we can like you know and then bring it to you guys at the bar yeah and the next day the health department called us and they like said somebody like called them and told us told them like basically told them that we our food got them sick haters bro yeah so <laughs> we went in to have a meeting with the with the health department and this is back when we were talking about trying to get a food truck going because mm-hmm. that was a huge thing in austin at that time when i lived there it was blowing up and now it's a whole culture but Amarillo at the time didn't want to let anybody, they were totally against food trucks. You know, there was all the trucks on the, on the east side and shit mm-hmm. that, that are like, but a lot of them operate kind of illegally and they just do their own thing really? and keep moving. Yeah. Back this in, this is in 2000, you know, like 12 or something like that. So we had laws like <clears throat> on the books against food trucks. Yeah. Basically. That's wild. Even it wasn't even, it's just like mandates. They don't, they wouldn't. 
it's like they would let you have a truck, mm-hmm. but they wouldn't. You couldn't prepare anything fresh on the truck. You couldn't cook on the truck. Basically, mm. you could have a commissary and where you cooked everything, and then packed it all up, and then you could go take your truck out and and put it all together. Like if you had yeah, like a steam well, it had kept everything hot. You kind of kind of build things on the truck, but you okay. couldn't cook on the truck. So. And that was like, well, fuck, what are we going to do? And then we were driving around one day, and uh, my wife found the listing for the Rio Grande. The dude from the Rio Grande was selling. She, I forget what she saw it on, like, Craigslist or something. So we went over there to talk to him, see what, why he was selling. And basically, he was trying to sell his whole business. And we're like, well, we don't want your business. We just want the building. We'll take the equipment, too. So we ended up selling on a price to pay, buy him out. That's a... It's a good flex to be like, no, we have a better idea. Yeah, we, have a, we don't want your business model. We're not trying to, because he kept trying to tell us, you know, I've been here for 10 years, you know, like, mm-hmm. like this is, I have de- 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 dedicated customers and, you know, like he's blowing smoke up our ass. He's a nice guy and shit, but we ended up getting in there. And so like, I'm a completely self-taught cook. You know, I've worked for some really great people. I worked for Richard Chen over at Kushiyama. I was a sous chef over there and he's Michelin nice. starred. Um, and I worked for some badass people in Austin that taught me a lot of stuff, but I'm completely self-taught. Never been to, you know, I didn't want to waste 30 grand to go to culinary school and then, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so everything kind of just happened by chance, you know. Like, I mean, I've obviously, this job's all the only job I've ever done, you know. I fucking yeah. worked at Hastings and shit, but, like, those were jerk-off jobs. So it wasn't anything I considered, like, career path type mm-hmm. shit. So, um, yeah, everything just kind of fell into place, you know. My wife found the building. We then the next thing we know, we're in the shack and we opened up just on four twenty one year and just nice. just started rolling it out. Yeah, that's awesome. And it's been good, man. It's been we've been fortunate to be successful. I mean, it's not easy. It's hard ass work, you know. Mm-hmm. Like my wife has like a guerrilla style of marketing. She does all of our marketing and shit. So oh, it's like yeah. the food's really good. and We keep pushing the envelope, but a big part of our aesthetic that's contributed to our success is how our our brand has been marketed, you know? Mm-hmm. And we were some of the first people locally to start using, like, social media early on really? as, a, as a marketing tool, you know? Hell yeah. Like, people came to us, like, advertise billboards, radio, all that shit, and we're like, mm-hmm. nah. The way to reach people is just be on, you know, finger on the pulse is social media because everybody, mm-hmm. everybody uses fucking social media. Yeah. And so if you can use that to your advantage, I think that's been a big part of our success, but... Yeah, we've just been riding the wave, man. I mean, That's dope. We, it, we have ups and downs. You know, it's not all easy. Mm-hmm. But definitely with this pandemic, it's been kind of a a game changer. Like, we had to shut down for a little while. And then switching to the online system, which was kind of fucking weird. Cause oh, I bet. Setting up the whole store. It took my wife, like, a week to set up the whole store. And then once we got it all set up, it was cool. And now that we're back open at a limited, limited capacity, mm-hmm. we're doing online and in dine-in so mm-hmm. i mean it's helped business but you know everybody's kind of wondering what the fuck's going on day to day and everything going sure. on right now so your website yeah. works well though yeah so, i mean yeah. <laughs> that's all her that <laughs> yeah. rin runs the site she does all the social media she does everything so she gms the restaurant too so she yeah. wears a lot of hats that's awesome no i'm a big fan of of what y'all are doing for sure like there's no other place in amarillo that has like food that you guys have or has that type of like culture cool or man. like vibe like it's badass yeah that's the thing man like we're real selective of who we hire who we bring in who mm-hmm. like i let come to work in the kitchen because there's a lot of people in this town that are cooks and chefs or whatever quote unquote but there's also a lot of people that have egos that are 
far bigger than their skill set, you know, mm-hmm. like especially in the restaurant industry. So the last thing I want to do when I hire a new cook is somebody that has 10 years experience over here, over there, and they want to come in and start acting like they know a bunch of shit. I'd much rather have somebody that's green, doesn't know anything that I can shape and mold mm, yeah. in a way that is going to be beneficial to me and also beneficial to them and their career as after they leave us or whatever, you mm-hmm. know, like I don't want to build up anybody that's going to, you know, have a shit attitude and doesn't know how to do shit in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's, like I said, there's so many people in this town that, that call themselves chefs or cooks and they're like, they're cooking food that, you know, that I would cook in like 2002 or something like that and putting it out now and it's just mm-hmm. not relevant <laughs> and they're not really pushing the envelope and it kind of drives me crazy. But so like a big part of our brand is culture, like you said, and we, we are selective on who we hire to work in the kitchen and then our front of the house also. And then the music we play or the, whatever we have on the TV, it's mm-hmm. all trying to be, you know, a cohesive vibe. So yeah. I appreciate that you dig it. Yeah, for sure, man. And I think, um, I mean, you know more than I do, but from what I've seen is that you're able to reach like basically like every demographic in Amarillo. Like I've seen like every age group go in there. Yeah. And that's really cool as well. That's awesome. I mean, everybody that's, that's, that's hip to what we're trying to do is welcome. You know, like Mm -hmm. we don't, we have our fair share of Kyle's and Karen's and shit that come through here, but, (laughs) but you know, a lot of times they'll come through once and they'll be kind of, you know, uninitiated, but we'll make regulars out of them, you know, they'll mm-hmm. fall in love with the plays or our front of the house guys and they'll be regulars, you know, and a lot of people come in and think they don't like this or think they don't like that. And we're like, well, we'll just fucking try it how we do it. Mm-hmm. And then they'll be like, I never thought I'd like this, but I love yeah, this shit yeah. now. So it's cool, man. We love, we love trying to just, we're not really trying to change people's minds, but mm-hmm. we love trying to open people's eyes to local produce or, Local, you know, things that they might not have seen in their life if they hadn't come mess with us. So oh, yeah, for sure. Um, you you talked about pushing the envelope, and that's something. Um, I guess I don't I don't talk to a lot of chefs. I don't talk to any chefs, so I've never really uh, heard that perspective when it comes to like cooking. You know, so like um, when you say push the envelope, like what do you mean by that? Because I know your food is is a lot different than anything I've seen before. So like, um, is it just like do you how often do you create like new recipes things like that i mean between now that we have a like a big substantiated part of our menu almost probably half of our menu is vegan mm-hmm. my wife's doing all that stuff she's the one making our seitan all that stuff but we mm-hmm. create we create new shit all the time like we constantly like we get off work and then i constantly have my nose in cookbooks and mm-hmm. stuff like that i mean i think a big part of what we do and what keeps our stuff fresh and and new is that I'm not looking at local dudes to bounce ideas off of or to look at what they're doing. Like I'm constantly looking like globally and nationally, like Mm. what's a trend in food right now. That's, that's taken over nationally. You know, it's like, you know, like five, 10 years ago, farm to table was just getting its legs. And it's like, you know, trying to tap into local farmers and help them use what they grow in your restaurant. Mm -hmm. And then now the, you know, big things now are like fermentation and zero waste kitchens. Like how do you take, you know, how do you peel onions and then take the onion skins and then dehydrate them and then run them through a spice grinder to make a powder to finish a dish or something like that. How do you keep, Oh, nice. How do you take, you know, off cuts of vegetables or off cuts of meats and make, you know, ferment them into krauts or, you know, kimchi or use, like meat scraps to make garums, which garum is like a 
old school Romanian like fish sauce, like before it, like people think of fish sauce as a predominantly like Asian thing, you know, mm-hmm. Thai, Vietnamese, but the Italians and the Romanians back in the day have had garum since, you know, beginning of time. It's just how to, how to carefully rot things. Mm, okay. So like we're trying like what we're, so what we're getting into now is we also we make our own sauerkraut our own kimchi we we're just getting ready to start our own, a couple of batches of some miso and so you know like you use like I mean it's a whole rabbit hole of shit mm-hmm. I mean but if I want to touch briefly on it like I guess what keeps our food fresh is that we're constantly like what's you know what's the pulse of the world of food right now not the pulse of what Amarillo is doing. Yeah, it's a terrible pulse too. <laughs> so, like, we follow, follow a bunch of chefs in Chicago, L.A., you know, San Francisco, or mm-hmm. you know, Copenhagen. You know, there's the, the best restaurants in the world. You know, and we constantly are looking at what are they doing and why why is it succeeding and how can we filter that through our lens here in the Panhandle? Like, that's awesome. Try to use you know like ingredients that you know we don't have a huge bounty of things that grow around here like wild and. Mm-hmm. You know, everything you see at the farmer's market is melons and squashes and, you know, and occasionally you see some diversity, but we're trying to take what we can locally and focus it through our own lens, you know, like mesquite berries or prickly pear, things that kind of occur here mm-hmm. have a very small season. But when that season comes around, people will bring them to us and we try to do something great with it, you know, if we can. That's awesome. Yeah. So like, you know, just that's what's really important. Like you have a, you have a responsibility as a chef or as a restaurant to kind of do things that are going to further the culture. You can't just sit there and tread water in the same shit that people have been doing for 20 years, you know, mm-hmm. cooking a protein and having a mashed potato and an asparagus and then like stacking it all together. That's like the same shit that's been going on for like starch, vegetable, protein. That shit's just played out, you know? Yeah. But then the challenge at Yellow City is how do we take that and focus it through a, like our, our like, you know, the restaurant is a street food restaurant. So, we do some like plated stuff, some crudos, some like, you know, during the summer we try to do like fresh fish, raw fish, stuff like that. We even do sushi, but constantly we're trying to take these big ideas and how to focus it through a street food kind of vibe, like mm-hmm. condense these flavors into a sandwich or a taco or, mm-hmm. so that's a fun challenge for us sometimes. But yeah, that's awesome. What uh, constitutes street food? Well, I mean, if you, it's kind of wide open, but it's basically like, you know, globally it's like anything from walk fired dishes basically anything that you can get and go you know mm-hmm. like like sandwiches tacos obviously mm-hmm. um we do a lot of walk stuff like we try to do things like on fridays do like pad kimau or pad thai or like boon bas or like just mm-hmm. like things like like so just basically i think for me street food is anything that can be eaten on the go or things that you g- generally find like in other cultures like find it in food carts and shit mm-hmm. like that i mean a lot of our stuff you can i mean obviously we have a sit-down restaurant it's not a food truck but we try to harness that vibe and put it into our food of something that you would get on the go in bangkok or you know saigon or you yeah. know even in the united states but so we'll take you know we might process the, the flavors of a pad thai and put it into a taco you know just to kind of twist it up and make it our own mm-hmm. but we also do traditional pad thai also so i mean we get bored really easy and we're constantly just like itching and twitching to do new stuff. So, I mean, it's, that's what keeps it from getting stagnant for us. But yeah, that's I mean, great. I think anything can be street food. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, based on what you told me, like it sounded like you've always, um, 
wanted to be creative and you've been in um, jobs, things like that, that, that limited you. So it's like, great. You found uh, what you wanted to do. Yeah, for sure. Be your own boss. It's really cool. It's wild. We're lucky as fuck to be doing what we're doing, honestly. I mean, like I grew I wrote graffiti for like fucking 15 years too. And just like, eventually I was looking around at, like I have a bunch of friends that write graffiti and I was like, man, I'm not producing stuff as good as them. Mm-hmm. So the mindset for me was how can I take my creative sense of art and, and graffiti and whatnot and put it into plating. And so that's what we're kind of like the edge of like our plates or how we put things together kind of comes forth. You know, my wife's, she's been an artist for years and graphic designer. So we mm-hmm. we're constant, we're both creative people. So it's good that we can kind of like mesh our ideas off of each other and, and just take it from an art medium, but put it into food. So yeah, I mean, that's really dope. We're lucky, dude. And yeah, it's it's definitely rare in this town. It's I mean, it's not it's it's not it's rare in restaurants uh-huh. in this town. There's a lot of stagnant restaurants in this town. And if you ask people like, where's the best res- restaurants to go, and they'll list off four or five places that are just stagnant, you know. And mm-hmm. I have friends that work there, and I know the guys that work there, but they're not like. I hate to go back to saying it, but they're not pushing the envelope. Yeah. They're not creating. I always say Yellow City. <laughs> Thanks, man. Appreciate that. For sure. Yeah. But, I mean, I love Amarillo because of the fact that it has a ton of creativity. Like, there's great musicians here. There's great mm-hmm. artists here. Like, you know, like, the coffee vibe here is great. You know. That's true. Pondicet is a fucking amazing brewery. So, we try to push. We just want to be doing as good as our contemporaries in this town. Because mm-hmm. people want to knock Amarillo and say, oh, it's a fucking small town. I mean, it's it's a mid-sized city, but at the same time, every like whenever I book bring DJs through here, or bands, or hip hop artists, and bring them through town to play, they always end up falling in love with this town because once you actually get here and see like what's under the surface, there's a mm-hmm. lot of cool shit popping off. A lot of restaurants here are fucking stagnant and not doing what they should. But mm-hmm. as far as everything else, man, there's so many creatives I think in this town. That's one thing that mm-hmm. keeps me here instead of moving away. Yeah. What do you think? Um is keeping these other chefs restaurants like back from having that creative drive i think it's just a job for them Mm -hmm. i think that when they get off work they go grab a beer and they shut off and they're not they're not at home looking at like watching fucking obscure youtube videos of people like doing shit in other countries or Mm -hmm. and i think it's just a lack of passion you know and Mm -hmm. i think lack of passion is fatal in a lot of cases you know oh definitely that's a quote that my wife used to say all the time, and uh, I agree with it so much. Is because once you don't have the passion, you're just going through the motions. And they're like, okay, we're launching our summer menu, and it looks like fucking the same played out shit that you saw in the winter menu. Mm-hmm. It's like, and I don't, I don't, I think it boils down to two things: it's a lack of a skill set because they don't want to sharp, like you know, you know, like steel sharpen steel. You know, they don't mm-hmm. want to. They don't want to bounce ideas off of me or anybody else. They want to think that they got it all in their in their head what okay, they're gonna yeah. do, and so they're just like, it's just, they're not creating anything new because they're not looking, or they're not humbled by like you don't look at a dish that you see a, a chef from San Francisco post and be like, wow, that like just seeing this food right here like completely humbles me, it makes mm-hmm. me know that I'm not shit. And I think if you don't constantly feel that that humility of like. Because if you think you're the top of your game all the time, then you're never gonna, you're never gonna grow, you know. Because you mm-hmm. think that in your own little paradigm, your own little bubble, you're like the shit, and you're really not. And so I constantly get told that I'm not the shit, and I love that because that makes me hungry. It makes me push and grow. Yeah, that's a great mindset to have. That's 
for sure that applies to everything in life that's, definitely that's beautiful who's uh who's telling you you're not the shit i mean i have like a friend of ours uh there's some friends of ours that have a restaurant in oklahoma city called none mm-hmm. such and they were food and wine best new restaurant like last year the year before and we went there to go you know just we heard about it we're like let's go check it out and we've been there a few times now so we've kind of made friends with the chef and the kitchen crew there and it's like you know you see them doing stuff and it's like okay well this dude's younger than me Mm -hmm. and doing cool ass shit and it's like so what's stopping me from doing cool shit and so you see that like that and it's not necessarily as as straightforward as somebody saying bro you're not the shit but it's in through their actions you know like you definitely want to look at somebody who's doing some people you know there's restaurants in dallas like there's a chef named Matt, Matt McAllister in Dallas that's just, we used to go eat at his restaurant called FT33 back before it closed and just blew us away every time. And then, you know, he was a James Beard winner and all this stuff that mm-hmm. people get accolades. There's certain accolades in the chef world that mean something and there's accolades that don't mean shit. But you see people getting these certain accolades, you're like, why are they getting noticed? You know, in a, in a sea of 100,000 or more really talented chefs in this country why are they getting the spotlight on them and what are they doing and what's their restaurant doing Mm -hmm. and how is their restaurant benefiting the community around it yeah so that's constantly what we try to do we try to source from as many local vendors and you know or farmers and things like that as we can to to kind of bring it all into what we're doing at the restaurant but man like i constantly just feel humbled by seeing things that people are doing Mm -hmm. all over the place like instagram is a great tool for that you know like you can say you can look at Instagram and use that as something to copy a bunch of things. Or if you're like, oh, I see somebody doing this, I'm going to copy it. But if you do it in the right way and see somebody doing a technique or a method and try to focus it through your flavors, mm-hmm. then it's super beneficial. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I'm a huge fan of Instagram for that fact. It's a beautiful alone. way to put it. And yeah, whatever your hobby is, it's on Instagram, you know? Yeah, and you can, I mean, you can, like, if you like to drink beer and shit, you can follow all these different breweries and see all these cool-ass mm-hmm. beers that they're brewing and be like, oh, I haven't tried that. I want to try something like that, like a fucking milkshake IPA or, you know, Absolutely. like lactose sours and shit like that. I don't fucking brew beer. Mm-hmm. I was an owner of a brewery for a hot minute, but that shit's over with now. And, like, but I'm a huge fan of beer and, you know, the process, and it's always cool to see. It's like you said, man, whatever your hobby is, there's somebody doing it better than you on Instagram, mm-hmm. and you can always learn from that and grow from that that's a good way to put it egos egos will kill you (laughs) your ego is not your amigo (laughs) that should be on a t-shirt it is actually it's a tony alva yeah Um, our front of house manager christian has that shirt it's fucking hilarious cracks me up every time he wears it but it's also so true you know yeah i think it's good to have a little bit of an ego i think people confuse ego with confidence and i think that's it's a fine line between the two Mm -hmm. because i mean some people might think I haven't seem like I have an ego, but I don't, you know, like I laugh the hardest when somebody is roasting me. Mm-hmm. Like if, if we're all talking shit to each other and somebody roasts the shit out of me, I laugh the hardest whenever I'm getting roasted. I don't know if it's cause I have self deprecating <laughs> like personality or what, but I think the best thing to do is just like be confident, but don't be a fucking asshole, you yeah, know? Cause a definitely. lot of times people that think that they're the shit are not, you know? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. My, no, you can, you can definitely be confident and not think you're like, Better than everyone. Right. I think it's all in how you carry it, man. It's definitely a like, difference. Yeah. So I'm, I'm all for confidence, but fucking ego. Oh, yeah. For sure. So um, how has it um, has it been pretty tough, like, during the uh, the lockdown when you didn't have a, a restaurant open? Like, um, 
did you have a website right away? We had the website, but we didn't have the online shit mm-hmm. added into it. So right when everything kind of jumped off in March, we closed for a week and kind of figure out what the fuck we were going to do. Mm-hmm. And then um, my wife spent that week integrating the online store into our shit. Mm-hmm. And then we opened up that next week. So we didn't have a lot of downtime in the restaurant per se. I mean, it's definitely been changing the, the way we do business. But mm-hmm. um, we had like a week of downtime and then we took another week off because um, we had our floors redone. And so those are the only, the only downtimes we've had. We've definitely had a you know a change in business. You know, like mm-hmm. we're still making money, but you know it's definitely affected you know our numbers like week to week. So, mm-hmm. but it's kind of like for the time being, it's like a new kind of, I hate to say new normal because everybody's saying that, but that pretty much encapsulates what yeah. it is. You know, it's like the new normal, which is kind of becoming just normal now. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. it's like, so it could be like this. You know, I've heard rumors that Texas is going to shut back down yeah. in a couple of weeks. So I don't know if that's, you know, hearsay or if it's speculation, but. Greg Abbott mentioned it on like the 10th so that we might have to shut down again. It's like the numbers don't stop rising. Yeah. So, I mean. I'm confident that we're prepared for that because mm-hmm. we can strictly go back to, you know, the online curbside thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that we're beneficial. What benefits us in that is that the vibe we've curated and the food we've curated is, you know, it's like you said, you can't really get YCSF food or esque food anywhere else in town. Not so at all. If people have a craving for that, you know, they have one place to come get it. And mm-hmm. so we're fortunate to know to keep people coming back for that. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, some people don't agree with our personal politics as people, but, mm-hmm. you know, we try to keep it separate from the business. I mean, the, our, you can definitely tell that YCSF is, for lack of a better word, we've been called like a hipster place or a hippie place. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we're not necessarily trying to curate that kind of vibe, but we also march to the beat of our own drummer, you know? Mm-hmm. We're not trying to be anything we're not. So um, I think we're fortunate, man, that when all the, everything shuts down and everything's all crazy, that we can still operate at some capacity mm-hmm. for so. sure, man. Hippies are cool. <laughs> it's a, it's a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then, you know, like we also have a voice whenever all the fucking, you know, the black Lives matter shit jumps off and mm-hmm. the George Floyd shit jumps off and the Breonna Taylor shit jumps off. You know, we're part of the conversation and we're, we're like, you know, we want to be on the right side of history with all that shit. So mm-hmm. we have been outspoken and, you know, my wife has had, you know, we had a big shit storm happen like a couple weeks ago. Yeah. I was going to ask about that. Uh, so they tried to cancel you. Yeah. Well, they, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that all started because, uh, my wife has step siblings and she's never really got along with them. And this one, her, her stepsister, half sister, whatever the fuck you want to call it is a vindictive little cunt. And she like, <laughs> when my wife has a private Instagram, you know, and, during all this, she's been outspoken. She's very act. She has a very activism kind of mindset, and so mm-hmm. she's gone and posted shit. You know, like you know, ACAB, all that stuff. And then somebody, her sister, went and put, like took screenshots of shit going back to a year ago of on shit of hers that's been really yeah, like you would say controversial or just like mm-hmm. you know, like not necessarily anti-police, but definitely like anti the the wrong police. Mm-hmm. So she made that little fucking collage and posted it and was like you know and then with the time it was like defund the police which isn't even a bad thing mm-hmm. people don't understand shit like that so i think it means abolish yeah yeah, yeah. And it's because <laughs> there's there's a huge po- part of this population in this in this city that is like ignorant you know and mm-hmm. i say that 
in the true sense of the word, I'm not saying I'm not saying it with malice. I'm not saying they're dumb people. I'm saying they're just like ignorant to things that you know they, they don't immediately understand it. They just negate it. And so we, it was a huge little shitstorm that lasted like a week with all that shit. But it blew over. I mean, the week the week of it of them trying to cancel us, you know, <laughs> cancel culture. We were we had a busy ass week that week, and then we've had you know a lot of people come to support us and shit. Like there's still people that that talk shit or whatever, but I mean, we kind of are who we are, you know, definitely don't want to blend the lines of like our personal Instagrams mm-hmm. and, a, and a business one. Like we would never post some of the shit that, that Ren posted on her page Yeah, nothing, on the business. Nothing that polarizing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that we don't all kind of feel like that, you mm-hmm. know? I mean, I think that the people that, you know, like the all lives matter people and the people mm-hmm. that are talking, you're just a closet racist, you know? And I think what Trump's done is he's made a lot of people feel secure enough to come out and show their true colors and mm-hmm. it terrifies me honestly no, there's definitely there's definitely a percentage of that like it's... i mean you can look at his his political policies and everything all the dumb shit he's done in office or whatever it's that shit's laughable and it's all that's a whole other conversation but if you really just boil down to like and look at it as in he makes the wrong kind of people feel comfortable to be themselves mm-hmm. and like do shit and say shit that yeah i mean it's kind of it's I know there's more good people than, than, than those people, but at the same time, just to see, you know, you might see it in your family, you may see it in your mm-hmm. friends, you may, you know, you a lot of people during all this time have had conversations with people they probably didn't expect to have conversations with about this shit, you know? Oh, definitely, yeah. Like, you're getting, like you're getting arguments with people like, I mean, I've seen people, I haven't dealt with it personally, because I kind of curate my social media to be a little bit more just chill, you know, like... Yeah, I've, I've had to do that. Yeah, so, like, <laughs> I'm here for the memes and shit, you know, like, yeah. but, I mean, I'll get, I'll get involved if somebody comes at me sideways about something, but for the most part, my friends list or the people that follow me, you know, my Instagram page is public, so I really just kind of keep that, like, food and travel mm-hmm. and shit, but, like, Facebook, man, it's like, I don't see too much, you know, dumb shit. Mm-hmm. If I do... I'd be like, oh shit! I didn't know they, I didn't know they were like that. Fuck, yeah. You know, un- unfriend them or block them, just so I don't have to fuck with it anymore. There's but, also like nothing good you're gonna accomplish from getting in a Facebook battle, you dude. Know? Yeah, like it never, <laughs> you never feel good after. You never just like, I'm glad I did that for eight hours. You know? Yeah, <laughs> the night, the night that all that shit blew up uh, on Facebook and shit that Rin's sister tried to start all that shit. Um, I started trying to get you know because. I told Rim what was going on. She was beside herself. She was so upset. She felt so guilty that she that something on her personal page was affecting the business. And so she was like outside talking to her mom. Like she was really upset. So inside, I was in the house like, fuck it, I guess I'm going to try to do a little bit of damage control, you know? Mm-hmm. And I did posting and commenting and responding in like two hours more than I'd done in seven years on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And it was all for naught, too. These motherfuckers were out for blood. They were starting to like screenshot shit and try to pull up shit on my yeah. page and that's like finally i just like removed all my comments and just like <laughs> fuck it man i'm just gonna let them just shoot it out they don't want to the, talk they yeah. want blood yeah so <laughs> and they were all over the business page too. And the first the first hour or so i was all like trying to like you know people message the business page asking you know and i'd be like calmly try to respond i'm like you know mm-hmm. You know, we're not against, we don't have any problems with our local PD. Mm-hmm. This was a talk about national police and the conversation that needs to be started about how we can work forward, toward, work toward trying to get bad people out of positions of power, you mm-hmm. know? And after a few minutes of that, I was just like, fuck this, dude. Like, yeah, there's no, it's like you said, man, there's, there's no, you're not going to win that shit. Mm-hmm. So after like an hour or two, I was just like, man, fuck it. And then we just let the shit pile up on our business page. We even did a post trying to like, 
you know, verify it or talk about what, what, what happened. And then, but we weren't apologizing. Yeah. People were like, that, this is a fake ass apology. And I would be like, we're not apologizing. <laughs> we're just, we're trying to specify what happened. Like, we're not sorry about what happened. Yeah, you didn't win, you loser. Yeah, so <laughs> we let all that shit build up on the page for like a couple of days. And then I just went and deleted the post, deleted all of it. And the people that had gone through talking shit, we just banned them from the page. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, it's like, uh, what else can you do? Dude, because they want, <laughs> people were calling up there like wanting to speak to Ren and wanting to fucking, for her to personally apologize to them. And it's like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> like, that's hilarious. We even had a, we met with the sergeant. Uh, there's a the the sergeant that's um that's in charge of public relations, mm-hmm. super fucking nice lady came by the day after all that shit, mm-hmm. and talked to Christian, the front of the house manager, and was like, you know, Ren wasn't there. Ren didn't go into the restaurant for a week because she was just nervous and scared about people trying to oh, like target bad. her and shit. But um, this lady came in, talked to Christian, and then Ren and Ren ended up getting her card and calling her, and then they had a face to face, like a little mm-hmm. tete a tete at the restaurant, like in between shifts one day and lady was super chill you know like super mm-hmm. cool you know it's like and she agreed with half the shit we were t- saying you know it's yeah. like i mean we're not trying to fucking cancel cops it's like you know yeah. but we're trying to definitely like like she even got into like looking at the budgeting and shit like you know the police force is allotted so much money compared to like social workers and shit and it's like there's definitely some skewed things that need mm-hmm. to be fixed and yeah and i mean anyone with an open mind yeah can say Hey, something's wrong. Yeah, something's things aren't going well. When the fact that the <laughs> and the sh- like and luckily our local PD doesn't have like an you know they don't, there's not a huge a huge history of our local PD like stepping and shit over and over again and doing yeah. things that are nat- to get national coverage. But nationally, you look at these cops, man. They keep fucking doing it. They keep yeah. doing it. It's been fucking. It's been years now. They're hiring like, anybody. Yeah. And, and just, it's who cares how many times he's been warned? We're gonna leave him here. Yeah. and we're gonna let him do more shit. It's crazy to me. So, you know, like we had a bit of a commentary on that. People lost their fucking minds. So, mm-hmm. you know, it shows yeah. you that Amarillo. While I love this city so much, and that's why I'm still here, and that's why we built this brand here, and we didn't take it to Austin or take it to Dallas. Yeah. Like people have asked us, why the fuck didn't you open this up in Austin or Dallas? That'd be great there. I'm like, because we're. I feel mm-hmm. like Amarillo is on the precipice of being a really fucking cool city. I mean, and if everybody, get, if, I've said this before in other things too. It's like, if you develop a skill set and you take it and you take it and you leave your city and your hometown and you take it somewhere else, then every time you have to come back to your hometown, it's always going to be that. It's always going to be your fucking hometown. You're going to see your parents and you're going to fucking, it's going to suck. You're going to go to your local bar that you used to go to and not mm-hmm. do anything else. But if more and more people build a skill set and get really good at something and then stay here, and then procreate something here, mm. then that's the only way that this, that's how the city gets lifted up, you know? Yeah, that's like, true. That's, that's why we have, that. like, you know, we had evocation for a short time, you know, rest mm-hmm. in peace. Like, but we have the 806, you know, you know, like Palace or Pondicetta, you know, like everything. We tried to do something cool with Six Car, man, but that was a shit show from the very beginning, <laughs> dude. Like, like, we had to find so much money. I don't, even, I don't really want to go into six car too much, but we had to find so much money that w- wasn't ours to open that place. Mm. And having to deal with all these different people that are on the board, the investors and shit that oh, don't know man. shit about shit and they want to put their two cents in all the time. I bet that sucks. Yeah, they're like, you should have ketchup and salt and pepper on every table. I'm like, why is this even a discussion? Like, we see, if they want some salt and pepper, we'll give it to them, but we're not going to put the shit out there. <laughs> My trying, family loves ketchup. <laughs> we're trying to create a vibe here. And I even came at it, the, the, there was... So much headbanging against the wall for for the year the year that I was with Six Car, 
it was just a shit show. It started off with it was three partners and uh, me and my other two partners, and one of them was the brewer, and he couldn't fucking brew beer to save his life. He was brewing mm. beer that nobody wanted to fucking drink, and we're sitting in a fucking space that costs us twelve thousand dollars a month. And it's like we gotta be doing some. We built this brewery that came in like over budget and shit. So, long story short, man, that shit was doomed from the beginning, and I honestly can't believe they're still open and functioning as six car right now because, I mean. To do to for that place to be operating and making money, I mean, it has to be packed all the time and really, yeah. And it's that place we did we 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 never made money in that place. I mean, mm. and so I had the opportunity to get bought out and walk away, and I was mm-hmm. like, fuck it, man, I'm nice. gone. I have a I was like, I have a successful restaurant. You know, this is, I'm trying to do something <laughs> here, but so that I was could, probably hard, right? Balancing both. It was, you know, like. Uh, it created kind of a vacuum whenever mm-hmm. I first left. Um, it created a vacuum kind of like, and once again, uh, my wife, Ren, she really stepped up. She stepped up in the kitchen, started taking over shit and she's vegan. So mm-hmm. that's when she started kind of like adding a lot of vegan stuff to the menu and trying to like incorporate that, that as a, as a vibe of yellow city. And then, mm-hmm. so she like, it was a small vacuum, but then she stepped up and filled it pretty quick. And then, you know, we have a great team at Yellow City. And so all the guys kind of rallied together and they they kept it moving and kept it going. But it was definitely nice to come back, you know, and be back there full time and be around, you know, guys that I that we've trained, you know, mm-hmm. from the ground up that, you know. And so and just be back to doing something for us instead of like having to appease like 12 to 15 other people that, you know, that put in $10,000. I want to fucking. It's got to be in. I mean, like. That's the whole issue with, like, politics. Yeah. That's, like, exactly what happens when you, like, go run for mayor. Right. Like, hey, I'm in the oil industry, and I gave you $30,000, so. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I'm going to need you to do this. Yeah, exactly. And that's, like, you know, that's that's one of the – that was one of the first red flags for me with Trump is, like, him just blatantly, like, bailing out all of his buddies in all these different industries at at the detriment of the planet and at the the detriment of our – of our culture and of, of the of the of our country too, it's just fucking crazy to me. Yeah, he just pardoned a guy. Was that last week? Oh, Roger did he? Stone is that his name? I don't know. Yeah, there was a guy who was in his cabinet who was like caught like spying, doing something illegal. I don't oh, even shit. know what the thing was, and he was like a week away from starting his trial, and then Trump like pardoned him at the Damn. last second. Yeah, <laughs> I saw that. I saw. I mean, I saw fucking memes of it. I didn't really see the full story, but I saw somebody's. That's supposed to be getting locked up. Is he's letting them serve their jail time at home because of the pandemic? And I'm like, Dude. oh my gosh, it's like. But yeah, I mean, the shit. And that is, you're right with politics, man. It's like, you got to be careful about whose money you take because, in in the end, they're gonna want they want something from you too. Yeah, you know? they think and that they was, own you. That was the bane of Six Cars' existence. Was everybody thought that that we needed to listen to them instead of trying to do, make a successful uh-huh. restaurant? You know, like. That circles back to having an ego again. Yeah. Like, no, you have never worked in a restaurant in your life. Just let me handle what I what my job is. Yeah. Like, it, thanks for the money, but <laughs> this isn't your job. Well, and they're expecting a, <laughs> they're expecting an ROI, like a return on investment, within the first year. And it's like, bro, mm. you invested in a fucking million dollar space. I mean, you're not going to see money back for five years, dude. And just it chill. Takes a while. We're going to stop asking you for money, but at the same time, just fucking just <laughs> pump the brakes a little bit and let us do our thing. And yeah. That wasn't the case, man. So I fucking jumped ship. And all of us did. Actually, all the founding partners of Six Car bounced out. Really? We had already fired Grant. Colin and I fired Grant as a brewer. And he was still a part of the business. Mm-hmm. 
but he ended up getting out too. They, I mean, under the same clause that kind of bought all of us out, he was out too. But we had five. We had, it was, I mean, it was like, it was doomed from the beginning, bro. It was, just, it was a shit show. So, but yeah, man, there was way too many chiefs and not enough Indians kind mm. of thing. Yeah, sounds rough. They just uh, recently opened back up. So I don't know if they gotten better at brewing. Uh, they hired. Uh, I'm not trying to turn this into a roast six no, car episode. No, my and, fault. And that's the thing. Did uh, did a lot of the guys that work for me in the kitchen there were cool guys. Um, yeah. But the guy who took over as a chef after I left was a guy I trained from a dishwasher to be my sous chef. And as soon as I left over there, he started running his mouth about me and all kinds of shit. So I don't really have too much respect for that dude. But mm-hmm. a lot of the people that work at Six Car Sill, man, I love a lot of those people. They're cool people. Um, I think they hired a brewer from. Uh, a local dude that was brewing, I don't really know, but I think the beer's gotten slightly better. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's definitely not. You, you, If you ask about Amarillo craft beer, the first thing you hear is Ponticetta. Absolutely. Yeah, nobody talks about six car ever. So, I mean, yeah. that the proof's in the pudding kind of thing. Their packaging and everything is is dope. Yeah, and they're doing all that shit in-house. I mean, they get, they was one of their fucking front of the house. They're one of their bar guys that they, they started designing their labels and shit. Mm-hmm. So, it's like. Those guys are doing everything right. We try to do as much stuff. Yellow City tries to collab with Pontesetta as much as we can. Mm-hmm. And we have a food truck we're trying to get, figure out what the deal is. We've had the food truck for years now, but first we had it out and then shit went wrong with it. Then we got everything fixed on it. And now it's like we don't have the storage, like cold storage to like, because our walk-in at Yellow City is packed to the brim with mm-hmm. shit for Yellow City. So we're trying to figure out if we're going to sell the truck or if we're going to try to figure out a way to have an auxiliary fridge somewhere to store things for it so we can get it back out there. But the idea was to have it at Ponticetta like two or three times a week. And we just haven't been able to, to materialize that. And no, that's too bad. Yeah. So who knows, but we love Ponticetta. We try to, I mean, from, from the jump, those guys are so cool. So mm-hmm. we try to do as much as we can to support yeah, you, them. You guys do like partnerships with them, right? Like a, we did, uh, like we a did, dinner. Oh yeah, we did. We did, uh, we do, a like a chef, what we call a chef's tasting dinner. Mm-hmm. We try to do them, before all this shit, we were trying to do them like once every, because we'll do a tap takeover the last Tuesday of every month, like where we have a brewery come in and take over our taps. Mm-hmm. We'll design a menu that kind of like, that correlates with some of the beers, and then we'll try to have the brewery reps in town to hand out swag and kind of like raise awareness about the brewery, and people can try beers they may not have tried. That's you know? awesome. And then every couple months, we try to do what we call like a chef's tasting where it's a ticketed event, prepaid, and people come like we'll we'll get a, we'll do it with a brewery and then we'll pick out five beers or so and then pair courses to each beer you know and so it's like a, that's dope yeah and we did one with Pondicetta of months I mean shit's been forever now but we we want to do another one with them soon and the next one we're gonna do we're actually gonna brew a beer together a collab beer to have as one of the tastings on one of the courses so but yeah I mean the last one we did was super successful we had a great time. But we do that shit with like Pondicetta and Prairie or like, mm-hmm. you know, we had one set up. We had a, the one we had set up before the pandemic for March was a vegan dinner that we were doing with Rogue. And we have that one's on hiatus right now. But a lot of people that bought tickets, we tried to see if they want a refund. They're just like, no, I just want to wait. And, and That's badass. Yeah, until y'all can do it. So <laughs> hopefully it's not March of 2021 before we can do something like that. Yeah, again. hopefully not. Who knows, man? It's pretty. I know. Like when this all first started happening, I was like, for sure, by June, this is all going to be blown over, you know, because mm-hmm. when it first started rumbling about, like, I went and bought fucking cheap ass plane tickets to San Fran 
and thinking, okay, I'll stage it out ahead of time. Like we'll do June or something like that. Mm, and then, man. and then June came around. We've pushed back our San Fran trip. We're about to push it back again to like November just to be safe, you oh, know. That but sucks. It, but it's like I kept thinking this is not going to last very long. Yeah. And then everybody's like, "Bro, it's never going to be the same after this." And I'm like, "Fuck, that's crazy," you know. I don't know. It's scary. It's scary to think now about. Now that we're in it, I'm like, I can see that. It's like yeah. you know, things might get back to normal, but how it was before, I don't think is ever going to happen again. Yeah, I mean, I think if, it'll be five years or so before people are like not social distancing and shit anymore. I don't know. If they keep doing comedy shows on Zoom, I'm going to have to start making TikToks. I don't know. Yeah, straight <laughs> up, dude. I mean, that's the thing. Like, a virtual like virtual comedy is going to be a fucking thing, dude. Yeah, you know? Blows. I, I, did, I did two virtual mics. They sucked. Dude, well, you don't use because you can't. You can't. You're not in front of the crowd. You can't. Yeah. The whole point feel, is yeah. the audience. Yeah. You can't feel that. You know. There's not. Yeah. You don't know if a joke's hitting and really bombing out and like people are laughing their ass off. You know. It's yeah. like. It's like almost like you're doing like an audition to be on like Last Comic Standing or some shit like Super that. Super awkward. You yeah. Can't, you can't read the room or any. You can't vibe off any any energy. Dude, I, besides your own. That'd be crazy. <laughs> Just feels awkward. I bet, man. <laughs> But, dude, like, I mean, pandemic aside, I'm happy you guys are doing what y'all are doing, like, trying to bring, you know, the culture of stand-up comedy, mm-hmm. at least giving it a stage here in town, you know? Yeah. I think it's awesome. No, I, um, what you mentioned earlier, I wrestled with that a lot, with the idea of, you know, do I want to get out into a bigger area and just, like, sharpen my skills, or do I want to stay here and build something, like, great? Hopefully, you yeah. Know, that's uh, I go back and forth with that a lot. So well, and the thing is, you can travel. You know, you can yeah. always go play on the road. You know, like that's what like I go like whenever I tour as as a DJ or when if I tour with if I tour as a touring DJ with a hip hop group or something like that. I'm always like super stoked to be out on the road and playing in front of different people and shit. But then mm-hmm. when I get home, I'm always happy to get home. You know, and yeah. like be able to like figure out if I learn something or experience something on the road, it's cool to try to come home and try to transpose it into something locally. But I mean, as a comedian, I could see that you can still build something at home, but like, you know, you can uh, travel and play, you know, and constantly be playing other places. And, you know, mm-hmm. the better and better that you get and the more people you meet, you can get those people to come back through here, you know, hopefully and That's do true, show. Yeah. And, Cause Everybody loves fucking jokes, man. Mm-hmm. If you're not a serial killer or a sociopath, <laughs> everybody loves to laugh, dude. And stand-up yeah. comedy is... I've been a huge stand-up fan my whole life. You know, mm-hmm. it's like... I think it's a super... I mean, if you want to think that somebody's job is essential, somebody that's going to make me laugh is fucking essential, you know? Oh, like, absolutely. Because the world's a fucking crazy place. We're every per. I mean, as human beings, we're all fucking crazy. It's cool to hear, hear people, like, extrapolate their thoughts into like a fucking 30 minute set or an hour set you know it's like it's really i think it's it's really nurturing for the soul mm-hmm. dude if i if i could afford it i would uh buy esquire it'd be a perfect room for comedy yeah no doubt like an old courtroom with yeah. a stage at the very end i think it'd be great um, i actually know the people that opened esquire i mean it sucks they, they closed it but i mean what they were trying to do was gonna was such a niche thing, you know. It's like you want to mm-hmm. have a jazz club in Amarillo that is also kind of lawyer themed, and it's like, I mean, I, I I had a I had a residency there when they first opened because the the parent the people that opened it are parents of like one of my oldest friends, and so I we we would do our DJ sets there and just try to be like, how do we figure out a vibe that's gonna work with Esquire? You know, we'd play like real lighthearted, like you know, esoteric kind of like trip hop type stuff and I was like mm-hmm. I, 
the people were always there. I mean, I thought that was going to be successful for a little while, but when they announced that they were closing, I was like, man, downtown's just a fucking crapshoot, honestly. But I think a comedy club would be great. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, I know they had one. I think it like went down like 2003 or something. Because I, I know there were some comics that used to be in Amarillo who ended up moving, but they were talking about it. This guy, uh, Roderick McDaniels. He lives in Austin, but he was like a regular at the comedy club that used to be here. What was it used to be? It was like over there. It was downtown, right? Yeah. People say it's um, where the old crush was or where lit arcade bar is, I, I suppose. Huh. That's where it was or what it was next to. Because crush has been over there for fucking ever, man. Like I know like I went to school with like what's her name that kind of got national, like uh, Kristen Key and people like that mm-hmm. that would play at that spot. But I don't remember where it was called. I know it was right around there, so it might be where Crush was at. I thought mm-hmm. it was down a little bit further, where like next to where Goonies is at, but maybe I'm wrong. No, it could have. I've also been told it was at Goonies, so I've heard two different things. So. Huh. <laughs> I could, know it was. Uh, it had like you know like the glass out front where people they put shit in it to be like advertise things. It had like little like dress windows and shit. And then that's cool. I never went there though. Yeah, but I, I never heard of it until it was already defunct. Know, well, yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I think the the cult the climate for that kind of culture right now once you know obviously once we figure out what the fuck's going on with the pandemic mm-hmm. i think a stand-up comedy club would be killer here yeah we um we did a show at six car and we sold that thing out like yeah an yeah. hour before the show even started that's never happened yeah that's awesome <laughs> i that remember really that cool. happened i think i was either just leaving six car or i just left but i was super stoked to see that and then through Logan, I helped. I'm, I helped Logan, or I was the one who set up the y'all's the monthly at R and R back room. Because mm-hmm. oh, I reached nice. out to Ronnie because I knew that, I, I DJ there all the time, and so Logan asked me. He was like, "You think you can get us over there?" And I was like, "Yeah, I got it all set up." And then just kind of like, "Dope, yeah." I forgot Logan did set that up. I was like, I, oh, I yeah. got I made the connection for him and introduced him to Ronnie. I got I set up the first one myself. I appreciate it, man. Oh yeah, no doubt. I mean, but then after that, I was just like told Ronnie, I was like, "Just talk to Logan, and you guys can." I was like. They want to do it like the last, I forget, the last whatever day of every mm-hmm. month, you know? So Yeah, that's that's become like probably the best room in comedy. I mean, it's it's like it's small enough to yeah. where you can like create a vibe, you know, you mm-hmm. can kind of you can definitely like there's enough people in there to feel like you're in front of people, but at mm-hmm. the same time you can kind of work new material out. You can you're not it's like it's 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 uh like intimate enough to where you can feel like People, people are like really going to fucking vibe on you or they're not going to think you're funny. Yeah. And you can tell right away kind of yeah, thing. The intimate feeling is great. And there's nobody in there who's just like... Everyone in there wants to be in there. Exactly. it's like separate. Yeah. Like there's no one like making coffee behind you or... Yeah. <laughs> there's Logan, not like a bartender at the other end of the room. No doubt. Like Logan told <laughs> me about a show. He told me he told me some fucking crazy shit that would happen at some of y'all's shows. Like there was one night he talked about something popping off at whiskey river like somebody is acting a fool i can't remember what the what the what the details were but i can definitely see like if you're in a place where you're trying to do your thing and everybody's just like you have a mix between people that are there for the comedy and then people mm-hmm. that are just there to, to patron the bar you know yeah, or and play it, pool yeah exactly be as loud as possible <laughs> that's fuck yeah dude i think a lot of that shit's necessary to kind of like you know as you're kind of trying to create your craft or you know like sharpen your skills i think a lot of that shit comes with the territory but Mm -hmm. i think there's also needs to be a place that where people are there to see what you're doing you know it's not you don't have to sit there and fight over somebody playing pool or somebody talking shit off on the side that's not even there for that so yeah for sure i think a comedy club would be great it would be it would be awesome i wouldn't know you know how to keep it running yeah and i think you i definitely think you could find 
I mean, I hate to say the word investor, but I think you could probably find a couple people with money that would want to see that happen and want to mm-hmm. be like, and be trusting enough to be like, all right, I'm going to, cool. I'm going to fund it, but yeah. I'm trusting you to keep it going, you know, mm-hmm. you know, so I got a, I got a tour of the country a few times first and I'll be able to book people. Oh shit, man. Yeah. That starts, I mean, I started touring with music when I was like 19 and just like, just, just make it happen. You know, mm-hmm. it may not be, you're not, you not be playing sold out shows every night, mm-hmm. but think just the, the act of getting out there man and kind of doing it is 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 good for anything you're trying to do oh for sure i think uh just the feeling of the unknown kind of really builds up something in you and it kind of makes you like a little bit more i don't know like comfortable like even when you get mm-hmm. back home it's like things i don't know it seems like it's a lot like it builds your craft to travel and to be out there and mm-hmm. to to play for nobody or play for a big ass crowd, you know, mm-hmm. I think it all adds to the experience. Yeah, you get to see how different people react to different things and struggle. Get good stories. Yeah. So I hear great stories from comedians all the time. <laughs> no doubt. And that's, the, I mean, some of my favorite comedy is, you know, like stories, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, like Tom Segura shit. You know, it's like fucking just it's not necessarily like he's not like writing jokes to go through and be like okay this is a joke and this is a joke it's mm-hmm. like it's more like it's like he's just fucking has collaged a fucking a, you know like a cachet of fucking experiences and crazy shit and mm-hmm. just that's your set you know that's some of my favorite comedy I think yeah, Tom Segura is awesome that guy's I think he's probably like the most consistent right now and well he's definitely like all his specials are funny as shit and dude I mean we tried to go on his last run. We tried to get going. That shit sold out fast as fuck, dude. Like, I believe it. I mean, he's selling out places that you wouldn't think a comedian would sell out. Yeah. Like, and now he's touring in Spanish. Well, not right now, but <laughs> that's his latest tour. He was doing like Spanish only rooms. And dude, he was, he was talking about people getting pissed off that it wasn't in English. <laughs> well, I mean, I think it's like you know, I think that culture deserves stand up comedy too. That's not you know. Yeah, that's. I mean, if you can. Hell yeah, do it. I'm, Go know, I'm tour sure. the whole fucking South America. Yeah, dude. I mean, I'm sure that the Latin population or anything like that, I'm sure they're tired of, like, George Lopez and Enrique Iglesias mm-hmm. and all that shit that's like, you know, they probably get a handful of that really crunchy fucking, that pop culture, like, that's accepted shit over there, you know? I think there's probably, like, people like Tom Segura that are telling, like, grimy-ass shit. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't know if uh, they have that crude type of humor. That like witty, yeah. The, go like, fuck yourself humor, yeah. Like the, or like the whatever you would like the blue material, you know. It's like yeah. I I live for that shit, man. I don't necessarily. It doesn't have to be crude for me to like it, but definitely like it has more authenticity if there's that 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 grime on it a little bit. Yeah. Like if a story has, you know, some of the stories and shit that you hear in comedy, sometimes you're like, okay, that's funny, but it feels like it doesn't feel like it really happened. It feels like mm-hmm. it feels like a fucking a narrative that would can derive a punchline, versus like. Something that actually fucking happened that just happened to be funny, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah, so, definitely. I think I think that shit. Is, is, there's certain things that are indicative of like, being authentic, and I think that's one of them. Yeah, it's gotta it's gotta come from an honest place, for sure. Because like, yeah, I mean, I'd watch Tom Segura over like Jerry Seinfeld like every day of the week. Yeah, and Jerry Seinfeld's the biggest comedian on the planet. Yeah, and I think <laughs> that he definitely had his time, you know, like where. You know, I there was a time when I fucking loved Seinfeld, and I'll still I can still watch it and enjoy it, but mm-hmm. it's like it's definitely, I don't think it holds up. You know, I don't think it's mm-hmm. not something you can go back and watch. And I couldn't go back and watch like the all of Seinfeld and be like, I still yeah. enjoy it today as much as I did back mm-hmm. when I was then. And I think 
for what, I love you know Jerry Seinfeld for what he's done and what he's accomplished and shit like that. But it's like you said, I'm not gonna go listen to that over this. You know. Mm-hmm. No, I've watched some of his uh like late show. Like he does like a couple minutes on like late shows, like five minutes, and it's just like it's it's just not that funny to me. Like I respect him, but yeah, it's kind of stale. I don't see I don't see why people are so into it. <laughs> I think it's because people have told people people have said. Jerry Seinfeld's an amazing comedian. Mm-hmm. You, should, you should like him. So when people go, they're like, I fucking, they have this yeah. this predisposed thing in their head that says, I have to like this. And you know, it's, it's like, like broomsticks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's the big idea? <laughs> but dude, I see that a lot. Whenever you watch specials or like watch live shows, live sets, and the dudes will be going off and saying shit that's just, it's fucking not funny. It's mm-hmm. like awkward and shit. But you hear people laughing, and I think that they're they're laughing off the chain like that because they bought a ticket to that. That's a good point. And they feel like if if like they're like I'm not gonna sit here and not enjoy yeah. it. So they'll fucking <laughs> they'll laugh at the dumbest shit. Well, if you're watching a special at home or if you're listening to it on fucking Pandora, and you're like, that fucking sucked. That wasn't funny at all. But all these people yeah. are cackling in there because it's like they've convinced themselves like I bought the ticket. I'm gonna enjoy this. It doesn't matter if it fucking sucks. Yeah, that could also be that uh, that groupthink mindset. Where yeah, like, true. Oh, why are they laughing? I should laugh too. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I watched some of that. Like, I fucking love Eric Andre and a lot of stuff he does, but I watched a little bit of that, his new Netflix special. Oh, I, I'm scared to watch it. I don't want to turn it on. It's fucking awful, dude. <laughs> like, I was just like, I watched, I, it was late one night. I mean, I'd had a couple of drinks and shit, and I was trying to figure out something to watch. And I was like, I'll fucking put this on and kind of just coast off the night, you know? Mm. I was watching it, and I was like, it's like a, a funny thing here and there, but I, pro- I probably watched maybe 20, 30 minutes of it, and I was just like, it's that Eric Andre shit, you know, like mm-hmm. that fucking over the top shock shit, but it wasn't, it didn't hit in a, in a set like it would on the Eric Andre show or yeah. like he, the shit he does, like when he goes and fucks up like the RNC or fucking does shit on red carpet to get a rise, you know, it seems like if it, you, you try to put all, you know, collab all that shit into like a 30 minute or an hour set and it's just like fucking psycho battle it's weird yeah yeah <laughs> he's just yelling and fucking doing crazy shit jumping into the crowd and then like saying shit that's, that's supposed to be provocative but it's not like strung together in a way that's mm-hmm. funny it's just like oh fucking meth i like meth and this and that and it's like <laughs> all right cool bro like that's fucking i guess but that's funny no. but i have seen people i'm fucking on social media that have been like dude check out the new eric andre it's fucking awesome and i don't say shit i'm just like mm. well what i saw was not awesome but I fucking respect Eric Andre, but that just shows you that, you know, a fucking a comedy special can hit or miss, dude. And you, oh, I, definitely. It can, it can be a comedian that I fucking think that I really like, and I'll listen to some shit. I'm like, damn, I didn't fucking like that one. Mm-hmm. And yeah, then I feel bad because I'm like, fuck, dude, well, did I not like them all along, or was I just – and then you go back and watch a different special, like, oh, that one killed. I don't know why this mm-hmm. one doesn't. So. No, I feel that for sure. Like, uh, I couldn't get into Kevin Hart's last stand-up. I haven't watched it. But, like, before, like, he was, like, the best, you know? Yeah, so, I mean, I've never... I don't I, know what happens. I don't know what causes that. I think it's just... I think it, I think a lot has to do with it. I think it has to be the city, the room. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's the, the time and place. Like, you know, it's like a comedy special. It's like a snapshot of what's going on in that person's life right then, mm-hmm. you know? I, th- I think that's what it should be. And, like, I'm not a comedian, so I just... This is what I... As a, as a, as a consumer or a viewer, I mean, I like... I like, to, like I said, I like to see shit that seems off the cuff and it seems real it doesn't seem mm-hmm. too like scripted like and like I've, I don't think I've ever watched a Kevin Hart special all the way through but like we listen when we're on road trips and shit we put you know stand up comedy on Pandora and just oh, vibe so much out fun. 
And dude, the Kevin Hart shit that comes on there fucking kills me. You yeah. know, like I'm fucking dead. No, he's but hilarious. I don't think I've actually sat down. It'd be cool to watch a special to see kind of like what all you because when he's doing shit, he's doing shit with his hands, and mm-hmm. you can't see when you're listening to it. Oh yeah, he's very he animated. Just, yeah, he just speculate. So. You know, and like I tried to watch a Chad Daniels special not too long ago, and like I fucking love Chad Daniels when I hear him, oh nice, and stuff like that. But then I was watching the special, and I was like, it's not really hitting right now. I don't yeah. know why. It's fucking just, I don't know. I haven't seen enough of Chad Daniels. I need to look him up. Dude, I like some of this. Like, I, I you know, we put on the station, and and random people will come on the station. I'd be like, mm-hmm. oh, this is funny. Who is this? And make note, you know, and then. Mm-hmm. I saw that on on Amazon they have a bunch of specials, so I started watching a couple of. And I watched the Chad Daniels one that I had like a lot of the jokes off of, but there was like the in between the stuff that wasn't the bangers wasn't like oh, super okay. good, you know. Yeah. But that happens though. I was trying to watch uh, Pete Pete Davidson. I was trying to watch his stand up, and I couldn't get into it either. I think I just have to like hide my phone. <laughs> yeah. I, I look at my phone too much during yeah, when I'm watching stuff, and then I'm you, just, like, mad at myself. I'm like, I got to rewind the whole thing. Yeah, because you, <laughs> you'll miss something and be like, oh, fuck. Pete Davidson's funny, though, in a way that it's just, like, you know, I, I liked his show on HBO a lot. It was great. The fucking, the, like, stuff is, like, is his struggle to be, like, a clean comic, but then still be, like, funny as fuck is mm-hmm. weird, you know? And I think some of his stuff's pretty funny, but a lot of times, like, I'm just, like, uh, not super into it. Yeah, he just looks really tired, man. Just, I mean, people tell me that, but is that how people feel about me? I don't know. I just feel like he should go take a nap and, you know, well, get and some also, rest. <laughs> it's like a lot of his stuff is like it doesn't translate from the fucking like a lot of the stuff he does on SNL and shit's cool as fuck, but mm-hmm. it, I don't think it translates well to like to like him being by himself and doing that. I can see that. Good point. Anyway, I was gonna go off. I was going to mention the Eric Andre thing, but then I got sidetracked. Uh, There's a comedian I'm friends with on Facebook who was like, hey, I'm sorry to all the L.A. comics I know who, like, are working hard. (laughs) And Eric Andre has a Netflix special. And I was like, damn, I must have sucked in. must have been really bad. Yeah, I mean, mean, like I said, I love Eric Andre, but what I saw of it was, like, not, you know, not, like, noteworthy of it. And a second ago, when you brought up Pete Davidson, at first second, I was thinking of Pete Holmes when I said the clean comedy, and I was like, totally mm. mistaken because Pete oh, Davidson, Pete Holmes, shit, yeah, 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 two different Petes, but yeah, Pete Davidson shit's all right, yeah, but he does seem tired a lot. Mm-hmm. See what you're saying? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, you thought I was talking about Pete Holmes the whole time? No, no, at the beginning, and then once we started <laughs> talking, once I said this, the HBO special, I was like, wait, he just said Pete Davidson. I'm thinking of Pete Holmes, and I was like, because Pete Holmes, Pete Davidson doesn't have clean, you know? Yeah, I love Pete Holmes. His shit's goofy, man. He'll randomly say fuck, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's his shtick, you know? It's like, when he does it, it's funny because he doesn't do it very often. Yeah, same with uh, John Mulaney. Whenever. Fucking love John Mulaney, yeah. dude. That like, <laughs> I was just referencing the bit that he does with the fucking, the what's new pussycat in the diner. Have you heard that mm, bit? Yeah, that's, they play it like 20 times. Yeah, yeah. We were, t- <laughs> we were talking about that at work today because like, a song came on the radio and it was like fucking... It was like a long ass song or something like that. We were both like, "What the fuck is this song that's playing on the radio? It's fucking forever." Where it's like, it's just like ten of the same song. And then I brought up that, and like half of my crew hasn't seen that, but my wife and I, we fucking love that bit, dude. John Mulaney's funny as fuck. Yeah, his um, his joke he made about Donald Trump being like a horse in a hospital. I didn't hear that. Oh, no. it's, it's a probably like my favorite take on Trump. He's like having him as president is like having a horse. Like, uh, I'm gonna ruin the bit, but. 
It's really funny. I'll go check it out. <laughs> I try to explain it and I would just fuck it up. So I hate. Even, I do that all the time. I'll try to try. explain. <laughs> I'll try to explain a bit to somebody and I'll be like, "Well, I'm fucking ruining it, but you should just go, just go Google this shit. Go YouTube this shit because it's funny." Yeah, it's hilarious. Yeah, John Mulaney's great. Um, like I fucking there's so many good comedians right now that when you see Eric Andre get a special and bomb it like that, you're like, "Damn, there's like." There's a lot more people that deserve a shot, you know? Yeah. I mean, the comedy store alone is, creates so many up-and-comers that just, I think they eventually get their shine, but they need to get it a lot sooner. Yeah, it's, it's crazy how, like, big comedy stores. There was a, a comic who was here a couple of weeks ago, and he lives in San Diego, and he was just like, yeah, I go to the comedy store every week. That sounds awesome. Like, I kind of yeah. just, I want to move to L.A. just for the comedy store. Dope, yeah, no doubt. Because, <laughs> I mean... Even if you weren't a comedian, that'd be such a great place to go to have an outlet to be able yeah. to go see that kind of raw talent, like in its in its in its in its like in its element, you know. Mm-hmm. Like you can see somebody if you like went to the comedy store weekly, you could see somebody that started off green, and you could watch them like like build their skill set. Absolutely, their, you know. And there's and you never know who's gonna fucking drop by and do a fucking quick set there and shit. Yeah. That'd be it's, it's like a. It's just like catching lightning in a bottle, man. It'd be so cool to be able to go there and be like live in that city to be able to go and be a regular there and go check that shit out. Definitely. And I mean, as a and that's just me as a as a fan, but as, as a comedian, it can be it'd be invaluable to be able to go somewhere like that and get in good with them to go do openers and shit like that or super late night sets and just kind of start to kind of like build your shit. Oh, for sure. It'd be so cool. I mean, Austin has a couple of cool comedy clubs, you know. That's my uh, that's my plan for the next destination. To go. To live yeah. there or to just... To do? move to Austin. Oh, cool. Yeah. It's a... Uh, I guess I moved away right when most of California moved to Austin. So, mm-hmm. But I still... When I go visit, it doesn't feel crazy. Like, we played South, we play South by Southwest every year. Um, not this year, obviously. But I love Austin when I go visit there. And I, I, mean, I could definitely see... It's, it's one of... If I had to move away... Move to somewhere in Texas... I mean, I could probably move if I was leaving Amarillo. I'd probably go back to Austin. Hmm. I used to hate Dallas, but I fucking love Dallas now. I've always liked Dallas a lot. When I lived in Austin, it was like fuck Dallas, this and that, and I'd go mm-hmm. DJ shows there and fucking get done playing and drive right back, and didn't really want to soak up any of the Dallas culture. But now <laughs> that's funny. Some of my favorite restaurants in Texas are in mm-hmm. Dallas, and my favorite bar in Texas, Bar None, is fucking in is in, in Deep Ellum. It's this place oh, called yeah. Black Swan. It's fucking legit. Dope. If you like. Like a bar with no fucking menu and a bartender that's going to sit down. The bartender there gave the owner, like you sit down, he'll be like, what do you want to drink? And he'll be like, you know, you don't, there's no fucking menu. There's no quirky mm-hmm. ass menu of cocktails and shit. He'll be like, what do you like? And you're like, well, I like whiskey, rye, this and that, spirit forward or kind of, you know, citrusy, whatever. And then he'll build a drink based on what you want. And then like, you can call drinks there. You can get, you know, if you want a black Manhattan with Chinar or something like that, you can do call, you can call drinks all, all you want, but mm-hmm. This dude will cultivate what you tell him into a fucking drink. And he might make a classic cocktail that you're not aware of because, you know, there's fucking millions of them. Yeah, but, there are. Dude, like, a properly mixed cocktail is hard to find. Like, it's, it's one good. thing I really long for in this town is, like, when we go out or something like that, like, we're, what's a bar that we can go? Because our local bar is R&R. We fucking go to R&R mm-hmm. all the time. But if I want to go get, like, a fucking black Manhattan with Chinar, like, there's nowhere in town to get some shit like that or to call a drink mm-hmm. like that and have somebody, like properly mix you a cocktail i would say oyster maybe but i don't know i don't know if they would i've never that. been to the oyster mm. like uh they have some good cocktails that's I'm, cool i'm not a big cocktail drinker but like i've seen um some of the drinks they've made um 
I want to go check that place out. I fucking can't stand Rory though, the owner. That's whatever, dude. She's <laughs> that's a, what everybody says. She's a mess, dude. Like, that's uh, funny. She's just. I mean, uh, you know, I don't want to, you know, this, I just, she just rubs me the wrong way. Yeah. So that's that's, what, that's honestly what's kept me from going to mm-hmm. Drunken Oyster. It's because, I mean, the odds that I have to deal with her, she comes in the restaurant every now and then and eats mm-hmm. at Yellow City, and it's cool. Like, I mean, I got mutual respect. It's all good. Yeah. I wish her all the best, but she's, she's a lot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just another, you know, one of those Facebook things. <laughs> this there's people that have big personalities in a good way, and there's people that have big personalities kind of in a bad way. Oh yeah, absolutely. And and we can see all of them. Yeah, and then but but then there's some people that fucking that that vibe with that shit, and they like they have some people get deal with it and they love it and it's all good. But yeah, definitely. I, just, I don't I don't know. The older I get, the more I stop trying to like immerse myself in things that that I don't vibe with. You know, mm-hmm. I'm just like eh. It's cool. I I know that's there and I appreciate it, but I'm just gonna stay over here. Yeah, kind of thing. So it's better. It's more I, productive. I think so. I mean, <laughs> it keeps me from fucking getting aggro and shit, or like wanting to fucking talk shit on people or tear people down. It's like nowadays I'm just like, I'll stay in my lane. You stay mm-hmm. in your lane. It's all good. So for sure. So um, do you have a like a bigger plan for? Yellow City Street Food. Like, do you ever want to like expand? Have multiple locations? Is that ever? Uh, we've talked about mind? it. Uh, the next thing we do is probably going to be a vegan. We want to do like a vegan fast food place, like drive through, mm. like because we already my, like my wife already makes we make seitan and, and like that's kind of like a for people that don't know seitan's kind of like a they call it wheat meat. It's basically it's vital wheat gluten and mixed with other things. But it, basically, you can make faux meat out of mm-hmm. that. There's a, there's a, there's other faux meats. There's like tempa and stuff like that, but without going too far down the rabbit hole, like we've figured out ways to manipulate, like we can make vegan Rubens or vegan fried chicken sandwiches. Mm -hmm. And so like my wife really wants to open a vegan place. And the model we've thought of is to be like, you know, have inside seating obviously, but maybe have a drive through window. People can come through and get, you know, vegan food, but fast, you know, Mm -hmm. excuse me. Would Um, it be like similar to the street food you have now that's vegan? Yeah, it'd be similar. It'd be probably be it'd be basically be a bigger stage for that stuff. Mm. And then uh, we've we've had people have asked us to uh, open up Yellow City in Lubbock, and then we talked about when everything closed on the square in Canyon. We had some people tell ask us if we'd be interested in maybe popping up out there in like the old uh, recreation building or something like that. Oh, you guys would murder there. I know we thought so too, but like it's it's all kind of like you know the pandemic's kind of put any kind of speculatory yeah, plans true. off the table, but. We've had people from Austin, uh, Houston, ask us to. Mm-hmm. We had a lady come through recently and wanted us to set up like a cloud kitchen thing in Houston. Basically, where it'd be just like drive-through or delivery or like pickup only, but kind of have like bring our vibe down there. So, who knows? Like, we really want to do the vegan place, and then um, like a, a big passion of mine is like walk cooking, like fast, mm-hmm. you know, just super healthy, super like awesome like walk dishes so we've talked about doing something kind of like in the vibe of ichiban but like you know like small place but like just all walks and just have like you know a menu of like so many different things you know like a lot of vegan food a lot of non-vegan food but just things that are fast and super like fresh and try to use as much local produce as we can and but like a lot of people don't really get we're fortunate in emerald to have like a huge thai and lao population you know we have a lot of fucking good little like Asian restaurants that fucking nobody knows about. Or yeah, like, there's you, a ton of them. You know, like, if you ask 
people wear the best pad thai as you ask five people you're going to get five different answers mm-hmm. you know where's the best sticky rice five different opinions you know so it'd be really cool to to do something like that and kind of like do our take on that kind of food but you know like just amp it up a little bit cuz there's a lot there's a lot of I mean I eat asian food from little hole in the wall places a couple times a week but mm-hmm. I could always see how it can be done better, you know, without disrespecting mm-hmm. the culture and without, without without trying to be like a culture vulture kind of thing. Yeah. But definitely take it and, and run it through my lens and kind of yeah. like just amp it up a little bit. It's weird you have to clarify that you're not trying to steal culture. Like, well, you <laughs> know, the thing is like... Yeah, it's just like the world right now. Yeah, well, and, and in general, man, like people like... And just me personally, if people that hear this be like, oh, fuck Scott, he's just trying... He, all he cooks is Asian food, this and that. And it's like, well, yeah, yeah but it's also like, it's a huge respect thing yeah, too. But, like, yeah, like why not? Like yeah. what's... You hate a culture so much that you're going to copy it? Like that doesn't make any sense. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, <laughs> So like we had a we had some fucking Vietnamese people come through the shack one time that, that Logan's friends with, I think. And they said that, you know, our bon mi was better than, you know, his grandma's and shit. And that's like Damn. a huge honor to me. Like, or if we have... If I have a wok dish on the menu and then... Asian people come in and they order it and they fucking dig it. You know, like mm-hmm. to me, that's, it gives it a lot of validity to it. It's mm-hmm. like if they eat the shit all the time and they're going to come in and still order it from me and they fucking really like what we put out for them, then that's cool. I mean, it gives me a huge, it's kind of like rewarding in the sense that like we're not doing something for nothing, you know? Yeah. Because everybody can make a badass hamburger or a badass chicken mm-hmm. sandwich or a taco this and that but the, like, what we try to do at yellow city is try to our menu is super like multi-regional but it's all kind of focused through my lens as a chef and like where i've been and what i've done mm-hmm. and how i put flavors together but we don't ever want to be like like we don't our authenticity doesn't ever want to suffer because we're trying to take things or borrow things from other cultures oh for sure we do that in the highest regard so yeah it's it's crazy there's a there was a restaurant in new york i don't know it was like a like a gentrified neighborhood that they have now, like in Brooklyn or something. I don't mm-hmm. remember, but uh, it was a white lady who was opening up an Asian restaurant, and they like shamed her out of it, and she like closed down. All right, and maybe she like refused to open. I don't know, but I just thought it was crazy. Like you didn't even try her food yet. Like what if, what if she had like good like authentic food and she killed that shit? Yeah, know? I mean, <laughs> I think I think I heard about that. I think there was something along the lines of the. The, how they did the, the decor of that place was going to be like real kind of like quasi like I don't want to say racist but like they were doing mm. shit like you know like 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 pigeonholing and stereotyping stereotyping like Asian things and like you know like being cheeky with it but to a point like I think if you're going to do some shit like that like like Guy Fieri having like Tex Wasabi's fucking you know like a restaurant where he does like Asian food but it puts it makes does it like Guy Fieri style yeah it's like, it's like his own brand yeah but I think that there's a fine line between like being cheeky with shit like that and getting away with it mm. like it doesn't I don't think it matters if the food's good I think people I think maybe ten years ago it probably wouldn't have been a big deal but the more aware of everything like you're talking about the the culture right now the climate is very like 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 there's like sparks you know it doesn't take much it's incendiary like things Mm -hmm. can be set off right now for no reason you know like I've seen it happen to a couple restaurants that I know of and one of them in Dallas one of them in Chicago where people dudes have been doing Asian food forever but have said the wrong thing or had the wrong kind of relationship with somebody and fucking it's blowing up on them right now there's a restaurant called Fat Rice in uh, Chicago that has a few different locations and it's always been like the food's great and people talk highly of it but then the owner and the chef, he's had, he's fucking done some fucked up shit to 
people and apparently been doing it for years, but it's all coming out now. And now it's kind of like, like the Me Too movement of the restaurant world. It's kind of like your past sins are kind of kind of come back yeah. to haunt you. And in, in the wake of everything that's going on right it's now, it's happening in every industry right now, dude. Like, it's crazy. I have a friend who's in the wrestling world. He's a professional wrestler in Amarillo. He like travels everywhere, but he's like always talking about like people being outed for like you know sexual harassment. Like it's all happening like right now. Like there, people are coming forward and just you know talking about something that happened you know ten years ago with these guys that that he's like been friends with for like 10 years and he's just like holy shit like and then it's like what do you what do you do as <laughs> what do you do as a friend of that person do you have do you have to like be like oh dude fucking i have, you have to distance yourself from him you know it's like yeah. but yeah man like i think it's i think if you've always like how i look at it is like i've always operated with a certain set of like you know a, a moral compass that yeah. you know isn't ever going to come back to bite me in the ass for sure yeah you, know, you gotta like, have a foundation there and i think it's fucked up that people do fucked up shit and then get away with it for the time being but then they're surprised like 10 years later if it comes out you know mm-hmm. and like especially if you've been doing it low-key consistently the whole time you know like i think a lot of people talk shit on the me too movement and they're like well fuck it why didn't they say something at the time you know it's like well people don't feel comfortable at yeah, that time you know like definitely if the climate changes and people feel like it's safe for me to come out and say this now because so and so came out it's like so be it, man. Like, mm-hmm. if you don't have any skeletons in your closet, then you don't got shit to worry about. Yeah, that's, that's my thought process. Yeah, like I don't a, think there's anything that, like, if you're fucking, you know, if, and if, if it's something that you did 10 years ago and you're a completely different person now and you're getting called out for it, I think the best thing to do is just eat crow, man, and mm-hmm. fucking make make amends and make reparations to do what you can to fix it. But, man, that shit's crazy. I'm glad I don't have anything. Like, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I've never, like, had the urge to just, you know, grope someone that's yeah never, that's dude, never I mean, crossed my mind anything yeah <laughs> like i've never had you know it's like I, I, I don't know if that says something about us as people but we've never had the we've never had the inclination to, to fucking do something fucked up with somebody to where the point where it could yeah. be like somebody would come up and be like hey oh fuck you remember that and it's like no fuck that <laughs> not at all but yeah now everyone has receipts now you can't <laughs> that's hide a good it. Way to put it and more power to him man because I've had people do me wrong in the past Mm -hmm. and you know, it's not worth going after them with a fucking witch hunt, but definitely I, whenever I see people getting what they have coming to them, you know, Mm -hmm. it's always like, it's, 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 you know, it's, it's rewarding. I think. think Yeah, definitely. I mean, you don't want the false ones to come, to come through, but yeah, it's, it's getting rid of some trash. So that's good. Yeah. (laughs) That's good to take out the trash every now and then. Cause there's a lot. It's a strange times. Well, just what we we're really seeing that, there's a large po- portion of the population, especially in America, that are just shitty people. Yeah. And they have been their whole lives. And, and they thought fu- they would get away with it forever. Yeah. Well, they either f- fucking through fear-mongering or something like that, where they're trying to keep people that they've done wrong in, in check in the past. And it's like, it's like you said, man, people are coming forth with the receipts and calling mm-hmm. people out. I dig that. I, that's a good way to look at it. Yeah. I watched uh, that Epstein documentary. And that was what pretty much like what started this whole shift into the Me Too movement. It was like women coming forward against him. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I really do, hope. Uh, that shit's fucking crazy. It's I really like, hope they like list some names off. I don't think they will, but. <laughs> dude, from what I hear, the more I hear about it, the more I, like, the more you kind of you kind of scratch the surface. You see that there's a lot of people that the majority of people like enjoy like watching or or consuming whatever the culture that they put out that are guilty as fuck of that shit yeah there's like 
top name actors and shit that people love. You Chris know, Tucker was on his plane, man. Yeah, I've heard. I've seen the. I've, I've heard of the Chris Tucker being on the island with all them and like. Oh man, but that's Chris, sad. Chris Tucker, man, is that dude has been textbook crazy. Like the shit with Friday popped off, and then and then Fifth Element kind of around the same time, and then he fucking goes all hardcore like Christian or whatever, and does goes all like away from all that shit. People that do that, people that go like that have big changes in their life or go away from something. It just screams like something to hide or you got skeletons mm. in your closet. See, I didn't even know he did that. Yeah, like after Friday came out, he didn't want to be known as the fucking weed guy and all that shit. So he went and found Jesus and like mm. just like was like, I'm never going to do movies like that anymore. And then that lasted for so long. And then he's like, okay, I'm back. I'm going to start trying to do movies. <laughs> I want to make money again. But yeah, yeah I heard Chris Tucker's up caught up in all that shit. The fucking Epstein shit. I don't know a whole lot about it, but everything I keep learning is just like, fuck, dude, like. The shit's been going on for a long time. Yeah. The Corey, and the Corey Feldman shit, everyone's to act like Corey Feldman's fucking crazy and all this shit. But, dude, like, him and Corey Haim, that shit, even when you go back and watch those movies, or you see how those dudes have carried themselves? Like, child actors that grew up in Hollywood, you know, the, they know those motherfuckers grew up way too fast and were exposed to all kinds of fucked yeah, up shit. Yeah, that's gotta be really gross. Yeah, there's, I mean, that shit doesn't happen without some kind of fucking creepy shit going on in the background mm-hmm. so, i mean i don't know specifics but that shit's crazy to me yeah the uh documentary it's it's pretty heartbreaking it's just like hundreds of like women like testimonies just coming forward and being like i was 14 years old uh a friend of mine invited me to go give a guy a massage and then yeah it always ends the same way it's, it's i need to terrible. watch that just yeah. to just to have a more of a better scope of everything it's kind of rough <laughs> But they don't mention any other names other than that, like, I don't know, that guy in the UK prints something. They mention him, Bill Clinton, Trump, and Chris Tucker, and that's pretty much it. So yeah. it, it almost seems like they're, like, scared to reveal names. Oh, fuck yeah, you yeah. know they are. <laughs> yeah, I don't get into all the, like, the fucking neo-satanic fucking celebrity cult shit that everybody wants to fucking get off on, like mm-hmm. on Adrenochrome and all this fucking crazy shit or the Pizzagate shit. I mean, I fucking stay away from all that shit, but dude, there's got to be some slim semblance of truth to some of that stuff for it to be a thing, you know? Like, yeah, at so, least a little bit. Yeah, there's a spark somewhere that started mm-hmm. the fire, kind of thing. <laughs> I keep seeing things about like Oprah and Ellen and Tom Hanks being on house arrest. <laughs> <laughs> People are like digitally putting uh, ankle monitors on their photos and being like, "See, see, look, they're on house arrest." Right <laughs> That's now. funny. It's crazy. I remember when Tom Hanks and his wife said they had the COVID or whatever. Everybody was like, he didn't really have COVID. He's fucking, it's a big cover up. And yeah, because like, he's a pedophile. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, Tom Hanks is one person that seems kind of squeaky clean to me. It doesn't seem like he's a, I mean, but who knows? Yeah, that's how you know something's wrong. <laughs> it's true, man. The guys, the guys that seem too good. I forgot who told me this quote. It was like, if you can't see their vices or people that hide their, don't trust someone who hides their vices. Oh, that makes sense. I was like, yeah, that's, that's a good point. Yeah. Cause <laughs> you know, they're there, you know? Yeah. Cause everybody has them. It doesn't yeah. matter if it's, if it's drugs or alcohol or there's a, somebody's got some sort of kinks hidden mm-hmm. down in there. And if they, if you can't see it right away, then you know, there's some, some shit that they don't want to be seen. Yeah. Scary, scary times. <laughs> All right, we're about an hour and a half in. Um, just gonna ask some wrap up questions. Okay, I think I got through everything. 
No, we'll talk about producer. How long have you been producing? I was producing more uh, about seven years ago or so. And mm-hmm. then I don't know if it's just when the restaurant kind of st- – we started doing our own restaurant and things. It's like a lot of that stuff's kind of taking a back seat. Like I've done like scratches for some friends' tracks here and there. And um, my homie Elliot that passed away a few years ago, we were – building and we had a hip-hop group together and he was it was like at the shack it was me and Rin and Elliot that kind of ran the shack and he and I had a hip-hop group together and we were building stuff then but it's like he passed away like mm-hmm. almost five years ago and then so that like you know kind of I didn't do anything after that Is a little bit that's his face on the wall yeah okay awesome. yeah um it, it's his they've uh like he's in an our spot now it's he's the we have a skateboard deck with his picture on it but we had his portrait over at the shack when, mm-hmm. behind it but then whenever we moved away the people that got the building after us they painted over it and all that shit but there, there's still a, a version of him on the music box tattoo studio but we try to keep his memory alive inside inside the restaurant as much as we can but after he passed away man uh i didn't really do shit producing wise and then just got really busy and i'm trying to kind of get back into it but it's definitely like lulled in the last few years Mm -hmm. like from trying to work on like i said i've done i have a buddy out in california that does a bunch of stuff and we've done a few tracks together but i've he's really done the majority of the producing i've literally just done some scratches and sent to him and that's been my contribution but trying to get back into doing more stuff um but time is just a fucking commodity right now that i don't have a lot of i get it man you got a lot got a lot on your plate (laughs) boom I do puns. Double entendre there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so, yeah. So, food is the main hustle. Yeah. DJing is uh, more of a side. Yeah. Like, uh, I try to, I mean, if I hadn't had it my way, I would do, like, I'd get to tour at least once a year. Mm-hmm. But lately, it's been food mostly. Like, I'll go play, I go play Tulsa a lot, play Austin a lot. Dallas occasionally and then but I haven't food's been yeah food's the main hustle like I went on tour like cross country a couple years ago but haven't done anything on that scope mm-hmm. in a minute so that's cool it's fun to be able to do it man like it's you know it's just cooking and DJing and all that stuff is there's skills I've built over the years of just being by myself you know mm-hmm. like being an introvert like when I first moved to Austin I didn't know anybody a bunch of Amarillo people live there, but then I got tired of every time I went out somewhere, I was just seeing Amarillo people. <laughs> and so I completely yeah, I cut, my, I cut myself off from everything and just started like focusing on my shit. And so like everything that I'm proficiently good at is skill set that I've built, you know, like mm-hmm. on my own, you know? Yeah. That's awesome. So it's, they go, I guess they go good. They go hand in hand, I guess, but yeah, food's definitely the main hustle. I, I'd, I'd like to do more other stuff, but it's mm-hmm. all just, if it's in the stars kind of thing. What was uh, South by Southwest like? We play South by every year. It's fun, man. It's always yeah. crazy. Like last year, um, like we played a big show and we had our set, but then we had to do, there's a lot of MCs that came through that didn't have their touring DJs with them. So like we had to do random sets. Like I DJed for Cool Keith and it was like just crazy because it's like the dude tells me, my, the promoter, my friend that, Matt that books us, he's like, hey, can you back up Cool Keith on his set? And I'm like, yeah sure he's like does he have his tracks and i'm like get his little mp3 and then or his usb drive and then go out there and i'm like vibe with him trying to do cuts and you know back him up and do dropouts and shit and it's just it's kind of fun man south yeah. by is always crazy dude. that's dope yeah it's crazy like uh we play shows with cool keith and then the 
the dudes from um, Souls of Mischief and just all kinds. It's just random shit because, like, here in town, like, we play drum and bass. We do, like, all kinds of stuff like that. But when we, when I play on the road, it's usually, like, hip-hop stuff. And I'll usually get to do, like, my set to open up stuff. But then mm-hmm. I'll be, like, the tour DJ for, like, different hip-hop groups. So there's a lot of them out of Cali that are uh, this collective called Project Blow that I kind of get to fuck with every now and then. So I feel super fortunate. But yeah, it's awesome. South by, South by Southwest is always crazy. Oh, yeah. Very cool. All right. That's the wrap-up questions. Cool. What is your definition of success? Um, huh. I guess if I had to put it into my words, I'd say that, you know, people say that if you're doing what you love, you never work a day in your life kind of mm-hmm. thing. And I think that's kind of bullshit. You can do what you love and still bust your ass. Mm-hmm. I think that. I think at the end of a week, of a fucking 60 hour work week and you did something else like you played two shows or something like that I think success is kind of like being exhausted I think that's a good indicative Mm. sign of success is if you know you're like because between the restaurant and my my creative outlets and then my family and shit you know there's at the end of some weeks I'm fucking spent and I know Mm -hmm. that to me that's a good sign of success because that means I know I'm doing everything I can yeah working your ass off yeah because you only got so much time in this shell or, mm-hmm. you know who knows what happens after this so it's like I want to definitely do as much as I can in this iteration of life and then so I, I try to push it all the time like people people ask Ren and I all the time like I don't see how y'all have time to do all the shit you do and it's like if we weren't doing all the shit we did we'd fucking we wouldn't feel fulfilled you know yeah, so that's awesome I think success is I think it's different for everybody but for me it's like that feeling at the end of a long ass week when you know you look back and you can see that there's there's a timeline of things that you accomplished or you know I think it can be as big as that or as small as coming up with a new dish that I like and then it working out or Mm -hmm. like something that goes from my mind on the the sketch pad to like a finished product on the Mm -hmm. restaurant I mean there's different iterations of success but I think all that kind of builds on it oh yeah great answer like that (laughs) if you had a time machine and you can go to the past or the future um, to any point in your life and give yourself advice, uh, where would you go? What would you tell yourself? I used to always sell, tell myself that, like, if n- now me could go back to, like, high school me and, mm-hmm. like, when you're goofy and you're fucking, you know, your body's, like, I would just love to, you, you always want to go back to, I mean, I could say going to the future, but who knows what the future holds I think personally I think it'd be always be nice to be able to go back with the mindset the knowledge and shit that I have now and go back to myself like as a freshman mm-hmm. and be like okay this is what you need to focus on this is all bullshit this is what matters and be like start now instead of like picking up a skill that I picked up when I was like 18 or something like that it'd be cool to pick up something like when I was like 14 or 13 you know because mm-hmm. I think that that's because it would just further how far I was with it now because I think I'm a pretty good cook and I'm a pretty fucking good DJ but I would love to see where I'd be at with 10 more years of of dedicated practice under my belt you know oh for sure so I mean it'd be cool to see the future maybe who knows if it's even gonna be a future but (laughs) definitely it'd be cool to go to the past and be like go to find yourself like when you're just starting to figure out who you are and be like yo this person that you you're experimenting with is actually who you are and you need to, mm-hmm. you need to push it hard. I For think. sure. Yeah. Having that enlightenment earlier. Yeah. Like almost like, you know, having the cliff notes to life, you know, like you can be like somebody gives you like, it's like you're playing a video game and you have a fucking playthrough guide, you know, mm-hmm. 
going back and giving yourself that guide. It's a good way to put it. And see, so you can see, you can see all the warp zones and all the fucking all the places where everything's at. And I think that'd be cool. Definitely. Hell yeah. Okay. If you can make everyone in the world do something for thirty days, um, everyone has to do it, regardless of what it is. What would you make them do? Masturbate in public. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, that's a. If everyone does it, it's not bad. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, <laughs> that reminds me of the beginning of Mallrats. That's funny. Um, uh, I don't know. That's that's a good question. I think it'd be cool to see everybody like, like, be true to themselves and like f- focus on a skill that they. I don't know. That's a great question. Mm-hmm. It's a thinker. It's a head scratcher for sure. My wife would say everybody needs to eat vegan for 30 days. And I can see that too. But I think, I think everybody, if everybody spent 30 days just internalizing instead of externalizing, I think it'd be cool. I think it'd be beneficial. Like just uh, thinking, dwelling on things more? Or, or just, just doing some soul searching and do a, like a, a, an inventory of your soul and figure out what's needed and what's not. Like cut all mm. the bullshit out and like, because I think a lot of people, I think, as you go out and socialize and you see people, I think you're seeing a lot of, with a lot of people, you're seeing a facade of something that's not real. Oh, definitely. I think that if people were just, would just lose the facade and be a bit like who they are. Like mm-hmm. if, if it's somebody that's in the closet and they, they really want to be out and be gay, do that. Fucking mm-hmm. do it, man. Or if it's somebody that's like, that is, that wants to be a stand up comedian, but you know, is scared to do it. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, it'd be cool to see the facades gone off of everybody. And, for the for the benefit of the really good people, but also for the fucking two faced people too, to be fucking seen for what they are, you know. Yeah, be an asshole. Yeah, be an asshole all the time. Exactly. Because <laughs> I, mean, I, dude, I get I get called an asshole sometimes, and I'm okay with it because I'm not. I know I'm not an asshole, but if mm-hmm. I'm an asshole to you or something, there's a reason. Mm-hmm. And the last thing I ever want to be is like is not real with somebody. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a time sure. and place for that. You know, you don't want to be a fucking cocksucker and just always be like <laughs> no filter, and it's like it's like you just always just like. You know, I think it's good to have a filter sometimes, but it'd be cool to see people without the their masks on for a little mm-hmm. while. I think it'd be more good than bad. Yeah. But I definitely think a lot of people live behind a wall and either they don't feel safe or secure enough to come out and be themselves. Oh, definitely. And I just, I hate that for people. I don't, I'd hate to see somebody waste 20 years of their life because and because they don't feel comfortable like in their own shoes, you know? And that's another thing I'd probably tell a past version of myself is like, be comfortable in your own skin, Mm -hmm. you know, whether you like it or not. Yeah. That's hard to do as a teenager, but yeah. And I think, you know, like, (laughs) so there's just, I mean, there's, those are good questions, man. Cause there's like the longer you sit and dwell on it, there's a lot of stuff that you could, you could come to mind, but Mm -hmm. to keep it short and snappy, I think that that's something I would do. Nice. Okay. Can you remember a time that you laughed the hardest? Dude, I'm, <laughs> I'm always fucking laughing. I laughed super hard at. Uh, there's an episode of Solar Opposites that I fucking laughed at my ass off, just because it was fucking raunchy and just caught me off guard. But is that a good show? I haven't started. it. I like it. Okay. Yeah, like a lot of people are like, oh, it's fucking just Rick and Morty, but I think it's very different. You know, it's the same dude, but uh, it's it's. I think it's fucking great. There was, it's definitely more raunchy than Rick and Morty. Like there's mm-hmm. there's a there's a, a principal in his in. In their school and his his little aide or whatever, they're fucking super sexual and super raunchy. But like some shit, <laughs> some shit they said just fucked me up one day. I was like, literally had to pause it and just laugh for a second. But I don't know, man. Like like I said, if if we're all like we all bust each other's balls at the restaurant all the mm-hmm. time, you know, just constantly. And like whenever somebody roasts me really good, man, it fucking just hits me into my soul because I think that's what it's all about. It's like if you can't laugh at yourself, then you're 
you know, you're kind of faking it anyways. Yeah, roasting is fun. And I just, dude, I laugh a lot, man. Mm-hmm. I think it's cheeky to say it, but it's really good medicine for your soul. I think oh, it's, definitely. Yeah. I think that's why I'm a huge fan of stand-up and shit, and I think the world needs to laugh more, especially right now, you know? Absolutely. I and not agree. take a lot of shit seriously, man. Like, there's some shit that you can just let roll off your shoulders, and it can be just that, you know, and it'd be funny and shit. Like, mm-hmm. we make a lot of fucking shit, jokes at the restaurant that if we were around a different crowd of people that didn't know us, mm-hmm. they'd fucking freak out, you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> we talk about sucking each other's dicks or making fucking crazy incest jokes all the time. It's like... Mm-hmm. In that climate, it's we know we know that we're all fucking joking, but it's some shit that if you said it in a different room of people, they'd be like, "What the fuck is yeah. this? Is wrong with this person?" They think you're psycho. Yeah, and it's like, <laughs> I, I, dude, like, I mean, I think good humor has to have no bounds. I think, and I know there's a time. We're, nobody, obviously, nobody's making racist jokes and shit. There's no yeah. place for that shit. But if you can't be comfortable in your own skin and your own sexuality, and if somebody can't tell you that you're gonna suck a dick and you have, fucking can't laugh at it and shit mm-hmm. like that, then what's the point? So yeah. That's like, a good point. We make a lot of, like, the, the humor at work is fucking crazy, but it's also, it's we all know each other, you know? It's mm-hmm. like we've all, it's all, it's been curated over years. So, I think laughter is super good for people. Yeah, that's the best, isn't it? Just hanging out, saying things you're not supposed to say. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, some <laughs> shit, you know, it's like, you know, it's like some shit you'd say in a stand-up set that people would be like, f- people that are there for fucking raw humor would laugh their ass off, but people mm-hmm. that have an agenda and shit that don't yeah. that are fucking not open to fucking just really good comedy and shit would be like oh fuck you can't talk about incest you can't talk about him fucking his dad or something like that and yeah. it's like we say fucked up shit all the time and it's, just, funny. it's funny you know yeah we were doing uh at my job randomly we we're just going around doing fuck Mary kill just asking everybody just ran just coming up with random names like random celebrities but it was a lot of fun and like everybody was into it yeah <laughs> I think there's a, I think there's a, I mean, that shit's funny, dude. Yeah. Like, I mean, it, if people that don't laugh at that shit just need to lighten up. For sure. For sure. All right. Final question. What do you think happens when you die? Oh man, shit. That's changed so much over the years. Like I was a super pessimist. I quit believing in organized religion when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, my parents didn't really we didn't really go to church but we we had a church we went to but from an early age I was like there's no proof of any of this shit you know I'm like mm-hmm. a, I'm a logistics person like and there was no proof of anything for me so I fucking was like okay I know this is bullshit and I'm done with it and then I had my angsty young years where I was like you know fucking you know pe- I asked I had people tell me like what do you think when you, what happens when you die and they're like it's like fucking sparks releasing to the air and it's over. And it's like, mm-hmm. man, that's fucking dark. I don't like that. <laughs> so as I get older, you know, I lean more towards like, I can, I really dig on a lot of polytheistic religions like Hinduism and Buddhism is cool. I don't know enough about those. Like I dabble. It's like, I fucking yeah. kind of like, you know, Elvis Presley, he wore a fucking star of David. He wore a Christianity thing. He wore all these different things on the necklace and people were like, why don't why do you wear all that shit? And he's like, well, I don't want to not, go to the afterlife because of a technicality and <laughs> I haven't I, heard that before that's kinda, funny yeah I kind of like you know like I paint my palette has a lot of different shit in it like I, I'm super into like reincarnation I think that'd mm-hmm. be cool I think that you know there's people that say oh, this is all a fucking you know this is all like the matrix shit you're in a fucking you know like a psyop and shit and that shit's crazy so like I don't honestly know I think about yeah. it a lot you know like I probably think about death more than I should this is because I'm a paranoid person, but mm-hmm. I have no, I can't say, I don't, I don't firmly believe anything. I have mm-hmm. a lot of like ideas and I sh- hear shit all the time that I'm like, Hey, 
But yeah. I think it'd be really cool. Like you think about, you know, the Buddhist reincarnation ladder and shit, and that shit's super appealing. In so I don't know, man. If I had to, I definitely don't want it to be it. Mm-hmm. You know, like I definitely like. People always just say, well, re- religion's all about faith, and I'm like, well, I don't have faith. I have hope, but it's a lot different. You know, mm-hmm. like I hope there's something else after it, but am I gonna waste fucking a big portion of my life and and do shit all this culty ass shit to, mm-hmm. to get to that no I don't yeah. there's no faith there but dude I have hope I hope something happens yeah uh, I know what you mean I um I've gotten I haven't gotten deeper into them but I've definitely gotten more interested in like the uh, eastern religions like yeah. Hindu Buddhism yeah. Those are, they seem like uh, they're a lot more spiritual than we are oh, with, yeah. in our culture like even the spiritual people in America they're still like putting on a dress shirt and standing in a pew, you know, and <laughs> yeah, and that's that's it's crazy to me. I mean, like yeah. how church is fucking nutty to me, bro. Like, uh, like I, I mean, I can say what you want about people that are Christians and shit, and that's cool. Like, if that's what what if that's what fucking you know floats your boat, finds your remote, mm-hmm. all that shit, I'm cool with that. I'm not gonna. My journey is not gonna impede somebody else's journey, mm-hmm. and that's not what I'm about. Like, yeah. I, 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 if I fucking. If I'm sitting at Torchy's on a Sunday afternoon or Sunday morning and I see all the fucking church people come in there and start fucking, I'll, yeah, I make fun of those people because I think church, I think church is culty as fuck. Mm-hmm. But there's people that I know that are that are religious Christian people that aren't that aren't like that, and like I can jive with that. That it's like that's what you need and that's mm-hmm. what's cool to you, and you're super about it. And fuck, who am I to say anything? But I definitely don't think my personal journey wants to, I don't want to impede on anybody else's, mm-hmm. but if I, I'm always like adding colors to my palette, you know, of shit that I hear or I read that I'm like, I'm fucking into that. But mm-hmm. it, it doesn't, it's a broad stroke of all kinds of shit. But yeah, definitely like, I definitely think the polytheistic religions and like the Eastern and Asia and shit mm-hmm. are like way more spiritual than anything that, that, yeah. it, that, that you see in Amarillo or anything like yeah. that. Like the, the, and I, I think we have a really cringy cult, church culture here in town that's, like, fucking weird. But church all over the place is fucking crazy. Yeah, it, it, it becomes weird when you're saying, my way is the only way. Yeah, exactly. Like, are you sure? Because I think these guys in Asia know some things you might not know. Maybe we Dude. should see what they're talking about. You well, know? And, and, <laughs> all, and if you look at every single religion has so many similarities. It's like it's all, like, doors going to the same place, mm-hmm. you know? And everybody wants the, their, their way to be the only one. And it's like... That's asinine and it's selfish and it's fucking ignorant to think that mm. that you know and there's a and Amarillo is fucking has a huge culty ass church population and it's like I think if you went to a bigger city but I think it's all the same but like Christianity is a is a thing that is very much like this is the way it's our way and you know give money to your church this and that it's mm-hmm. like fuck that dude like I and people putting on their Sunday best and going to hear somebody else like some dude that's the preacher that do give a sermon and shit. Mm-hmm. I'm like, dude, you're a man just like me. We're, we're pe- We're both people. What makes you more enlightened than me? Yeah. Why should I go every Sunday to listen to you yam on about some stupid <laughs> shit that, that fucking is, is like, is an agenda mm-hmm. wrapped up in a, in, in a little story about morals and shit, but you're always pushing an agenda, you know? Yeah. So I was like, fuck that. And then, so you'll feel better when you go to Golden Corral after. You know? Yeah, and fucking and, and treat your waitress like shit and not tip. Yeah, dude, that's another thing. The fucking church crowd in the service industry, man, fuck that, dude. I was at fucking. I've been in a few restaurants, and they're like, "Are you guys ever gonna open up on Sunday?" I go, "Ah, eh, maybe we might do something like Sunday brunch or something like that." They're all, mm-hmm. "Be wary, man, because 
church crowd. These are Christian people telling me this shit. They're like, fucking church crowd sucks. They come in there and they treat everybody like shit. They fucking rearrange their fucking dining room with their big ass groups of people and mm-hmm. the fucking snot nosed little kids that aren't raised well. And they won't tip and they fucking bitch about everything. It's like, fuck that. Yeah, it sounds like a lot. It's a whole subculture, man. It's like, mm-hmm. if you look at, okay, churchgoers, that's one group. And then churchgoers that go out to eat after their, after church. It's like a Reddit and a subreddit. It's like mm. it's like bullshit. It's like <laughs> it shouldn't. There shouldn't be. People shouldn't talk about it like that. This you shouldn't conduct yourself in a way that gets you like a reputation for being like that. But yeah, definitely not. That's and funny. Half of half the people that go to church on the regular do fucked up shit in their normal yeah. life, and they want to go like, well, I wouldn't fucking you know ask for forgiveness. So it's all good. It's like fucking no, it's not, dude. <laughs> Let's go to Chili's. All forty-five of us. Yeah. <laughs> Forget the fact that I fu- <laughs> that I that I'm fucking my friend's wife that is sitting across the table from me and shit. Oh. It's all good, but yeah, I mean, definitely super open to the posthumous things. You know, like I have mm-hmm. no idea what happens after you die, but definitely way more hopeful for something other than nothing. Yeah, that's about all I, I can say. I, I don't that. want it to be like when I was a kid. I used to think it was like when you turn the TV off and it goes. Doof. Mm-hmm. And that was it. And I was like, fuck, that's fucking dark, man. I hope that's not it. That is dark. Who knows? Like you want. Only dead people know. I know. And that's a whole, <laughs> dude, that's a whole thing. Like if you, start, if you start thinking about that shit, that's a fucking mind fuck that you can come back from like 45 minutes later and just be like, where the fuck did I just go? You're thinking yeah. about all this shit. And it's like, <laughs> dude, it's a whole thing. I used to think about that shit all the time when I was a kid, you know, because mm-hmm. I'd, like, I'd fucking lose homies, like have people die and shit I was, growing up, you know, people getting killed and shit. Mm-hmm. And it always fucking baffled me, man. It was always like, dude, like, yeah, I spent way too much time thinking about yeah. death and the afterlife as a kid. Now as, as I'm getting older, man, like I'll be fucking 40 this year. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, dude, bring on the love, man. Bring yeah. on the fucking something. I've always uh, wondered about the thing where it's like they're looking down on us, but it's like, are they? Because I kind of want them to be having like so much fun that they're not even worried yeah. about me. You know, like, <laughs> I don't want them to give a shit about what I'm doing. Right, exactly. <laughs> and there's the theory. There's theories that you know we can only see so many spectrums of light. You know, we can mm-hmm. see, and there's so many more that we can't see. You know, there's worlds like another world like on our world right now. Like if you look at like tracing paper or something like mm-hmm. that. And there's theories I've heard that you know like once you die you pass off into this other realm of light that you can't even see the other one. Yeah. It's like a like another dimension. That sounds boring as shit. If you just die and you're like, all right, I'm gonna watch Earth. Yeah, <laughs> dude. Yeah, like what's what's the point? It's like, and then I always thought it'd be fucking. It'd be cool to be a ghost and come back and haunt people and shit. That seemed mm-hmm. fun. But then that probably would run its course after a while, you know. And yeah, then, you'd get real bored. Yeah, and then when I was a kid, I was like, man, being a vampire, be like being something that was like immortal would be so cool. And somebody's like, well, you want to watch all your friends die over and over and over and over again? I go. At first, it probably wouldn't suck that bad, but after a while, after like fucking 200 years, you'd probably be like, fuck, man, I'm tired of this. Yeah. So, I don't know. You'd have to be suicidal at some point. But then you couldn't kill yourself. Vampires can't even kill <laughs> no, themselves? No, I mean, I'm saying, not vampires, but if you were like an oh, immortal, immortal, yeah. Immortal, yeah. Vampires, I mean, in the lore, you, there's ways you can kill yourself. <laughs> but, like, but if you're just like fucking immortal and shit, and you're just like, that's like a fucking comic strip. It's like seems like something that you'd see in the Sunday paper, like a suicidal immortal. Mm. He's like walked the earth for so long that he's fucking just <laughs> over it. But can't kill himself. Keeps trying to, but keeps, keeps <laughs> running in front of buses. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking a, dude. It's a good way to wrap up. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, dude. It was a lot yeah. of fun. Also, um, if you're listening and you haven't been to Yellow City Street Food, you're missing out. Place is the bomb. Best place in Amarillo. And check out 
giant feat if they uh, yeah. make a comeback after the whole. We'll be there for sure. It's just a matter of uh, after the apocalypse. Yeah, when, uh, when the world stops smoking, we'll be out there. <laughs> Have you thought about having any like uh, like COVID themed foods? No, dude. What's funny is you mentioned that. I don't want to get off on another tangent because I know we're trying to wrap up here. But a fucking one of the best restaurants in the world is a restaurant called Alinea in Chicago, and they're doing they do like. They're kind of like, there's a movement in food called like like modernist cuisine or molecular gastronomy where they fucking food, but it's reinverted into things like using like techniques to make like floating food and sh- like a balloon or something like that. They do a lot of crazy shit like that. Well, wow. they, they came under fire recently because they had an amuse-bouche, which is like an amuse is like a thing that comes out at the beginning of a meal, kind of like a gift from the kitchen to kind of mm-hmm. like warm you up. And they had a COVID, a thing that looked like it was like a, I forget, I don't know what the flavor profile was, but it looked like the COVID molecule. Like, oh, that's awesome. Came out and people, either people fucking got it and laughed about it, but a lot of people fucking lost their mind on it. And they were fucking, like, my grandma's dead, you son of yeah. a bitch. <laughs> so Alinea is going in, into fucking dealing with some hardcore cancel culture right now. Oh, that sucks. Over that. And like, then what's funny is they served that dish and then that was like a week ago, I think. And then this week, like a bunch of the staff members got tested positive for COVID. And everybody's oh. like, the irony is dense right there. So ah, that's rough. So yeah, but uh, damn, yeah, yeah. We, I would, I don't think I would. I get the joke and I get, I get the jest. Yeah. And the, the I, I'm lighthearted enough to to make mm-hmm. some COVID related food as a joke, but I didn't think about the bad juju. Yeah, so <laughs> I think it'd be something to do, like maybe down the road, and be like like yeah. a, remember 2020 and do something like that. Mm-hmm. But while we're in the thick of it eh, i don't know yeah i get that now because that would that would look really bad yeah like, and then dude, oh the whole kitchen's sick now <laughs> yeah i mean we can't even say defund the police without causing a fucking shit storm so yeah. imagine if we put out some covid related food everybody would fucking lose their minds uh, some people would get it some people freak out so. yeah, some people would definitely freak out all right last thing we're gonna do um you will have the last word so say anything you want and win the podcast Okay, well, yeah, but like like you said, uh, definitely come to the restaurant if you haven't before, and uh, keep an eye out for us uh, DJing and playing shows whenever you know, the world opens back up. But yeah, definitely come by Yellow City Street Food on over on Wolfwood and come hang out with us.